What's up, guys? Episode 93, Hello Bass Bass Edition Podcast. This week, good time, long time buddy, Josh Douglas joins the podcast live stream for the second time. About 11 months ago, we talked to him before he started his 2020 season, 21 season, before the Opens, before the Pro Circuit. Now he is an Elite Series rookie, and we're going to talk about how last season went and looking forward to the Elites. This is going to be a good one. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are. Another Wednesday night, Hellabass Live. And another Minnesota guy this week, back-to-back Minnesota Northern Invasion. What's up, Josh? How's it going? Good, man. Good, Rich. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, hopefully your uh, Minnesota internet is better than your Florida internet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, it's you never know. You never know it's, which way it's, direction that's going to go up here. It's 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 uh paused a little bit, but not anything like we saw. So yeah, we had you on eleven months ago, uh, where you were just down in Florida starting to scout for the very first Bassmaster Open, and and then maybe yeah. the first tour event, right, or the Pro Circuit event. Yeah, and so that was basically right before you started your journey in the season, and now we're bookending it and uh, and looking forward to next season. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, uh, I can't get out of here quick enough to be dead honest. Once once the lake freezes and the deer, you can't shoot a deer no more, it's kind of time to go for me. Yeah, I got to stay in the water and catch them. That's my kind of my deal. I, if I stay, so I just stay fishing every day. I stay pretty fluent. So looking forward to get back down there and starting the next chapter. Definitely. Yeah. I see you out there just kicking snow on the lake right now, just like wishing you could be. <laughs> I told my dog, I tricked him. I told my dog I'd take him swimming to a swimming spot and then let him figure out what the heck's going on when he got out there. So, you think, but, could he swim right by the mouth of the rum there? Would it be? Maybe, maybe. Uh, there's water so low in Mille Lacs that you know that's stuff that's been dry since July. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Well, what's, uh, what's up? Punch fishing in the house. Chris, Russ, Daniel, Brian, good to see you guys. Let us know how the sound and video is. Make sure it's good. Uh, Merry Christmas, Derry. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody. Speaking of Merry Christmas, Definitely. we got to get festive here. I got some got some stuff. I don't know if you, we we kind of pulled this out last week a little bit, but we gotta we gotta put these on. The little accent lights on the top, and then uh, you can make it snow too. I saw that. How about this? Like we're really <clears throat> bringing the heat with the Christmas lights. This week and maybe next week, but after that, the Christmas lights are going to be gone for a while. So, uh, Backlash Pro, what's up? Yeah, we, we feel you a ways. <laughs> Sycamore says, congrats. Oh, good old John Haynes in the house. Heck yeah. So, Rich, can I uh, just link people to your YouTube page? Right. What's that? If I put a direct link on you. If I put a direct link to your YouTube page, it'll show up. I'll send you a link real quick. Let me think how to get it to... John Haynes. What a good individual that is. Yeah. I'll get it to you here in a second. <clears throat> yeah, so John yeah, Haynes just re- re-signed up to fish Gopher again this year. Heck yeah. 
I'm going to do that again one day. For sure. Everybody says it sounds good. Lots of congratulations. Did you run into Ron? Thank you. I, uh, I mean, occasionally, man, occasionally. Usually I'm going a mile a minute, uh, get yeah, into town, I mean, try to bust out a bunch of guide trips, and but Ron's a good man he, for sure. Yeah, up there. I mean, you probably see him more than run in. Like, you don't talk to him, but you probably see that big Vexus. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yep, definitely. He knows where the smallies are at. That's for sure. Yeah. He, I see him in all the right places. So Ron's so for the guys that like because Josh only does out of town, out of state guide trips. So if you're looking for a good dude, and you're from Minnesota, uh, Ron right here, the Rosa would be a good guy to look up. So Sean lies here on time this week. Shout out to Sean for being on time. Uh, Darius is down in Kentucky Lake. He said he's going fishing. It's gonna be 72 on Christmas Day. Nice, nice. Where's he going? Uh, he lives on Kentucky Lake or lives next to Kentucky Lake. That's good. Then when I'm traveling, it'll be it'll be warm for the travel. Yeah, then you really got to worry about okay, no ice storms when you're when you're yeah. coming through. I'll be in that rig that goes through just full of salt, and then immediately want to find a place to get it all off. All right, I'm just trying to transfer this to my phone so I can. You're retired, like retired from guiding, or retired? That's why you're guiding. But I think he's retired from guiding. Oh, that's only there you go. So don't look him up. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. Josh can send you to somebody uh, else. Um, yeah, Ron's still got a bunch of connections. He'll probably make sure you get you get out on the water for sure. All right. Once you uh, <clears throat> answered, so yeah, I mean, for, I guess if, if you guys aren't following along, where I was going with it before is uh, Josh qualified. You only fished one division of the southern the Southern Opens, right? And then the tackle. Warehouse yep. Pro Circuit this year, and yep. you finished yep. third in the points. Yeah, by a lot. It was like a whole point, right? And uh, and four. maybe elites four or four felt points. Like, felt like one less. spot, yeah. four points. So you're you're yeah, an elite series spot, angler, yeah. you're a rookie this year. And then once you answer John's question, while I text you the link, if you can read it there. What yeah, are you, just what are you most the forward? Elites. Yeah, definitely most forward thing I'm looking to with the. The elites is just fit, fishing there, being there. Uh, it's been a goal since, you know, I, I mean, I wanted to be a fish Bassmaster's highest stage since I can remember, you know, since, t- you know, when I first started getting into fishing in 2004, 2005. And, you know, the elites, I think, came around in 2007. And that was always the goal to fish the elites. And I think basically, you know, I ran around with Rich and fish go for Bassmaster. And that was just kind of the, the deal, you know, and, uh, um, you know, the, the end goal or place I wanted to, to try to get and collect blue trophies. And of course, you know, try to get into Bassmaster Classics. That's definitely, I'm not going to say the easiest way into there, but the number, the number way, you know, the, most ways to get in there is going to be through the Elite Series. So uh, definitely the, definitely the tour to fish. And I'm very excited to be there for sure. Nice. Brian wants to know what's your guys' number one Christmas present you ever got as a kid? I don't know. As a kid, kid? I don't know. He-Man stuff? I age myself nice. here? That's He-Man's definitely not a thing no more, I don't think. Um, uh, I never really got any fishing stuff. That's the easy answer. That wouldn't be my easiest answer. I know I just got my nephews a Mystery Tackle Box subscription. They're like seven. 
I know they're going to dig that because all they do is watch YouTube. They don't know who the Bass Masters are. They don't know who MLF or like, FLW. They're, they're like Elite Series. What? No. Like, they, like, yeah, no, they don't no, know the difference. Did you make the Google squad, Josh? Damn, nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, but they know YouTube, you know, and they, like, they watch all the fishing videos, which is cool, man. I mean, that's what I've been doing every morning. Get up and make coffee, and I got a Roku. I turn the YouTube on, and I start going through people's stuff. And old today I was watching stuff from 1988 for crying out loud. Right on. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to. I got like I know I got a deer rifle one year for Christmas, like a 308. That was pretty good. Ooh, I got bad. a Bass awesome, Life actually. membership, either as a birthday or a Christmas gift. I'm not sure, but that's a pretty good one. Now we're talking. That's yeah. that's that's some good stuff there. That's cloud. Dad, Wonder what the price England? difference is on that from then to now. I've I've uh, I've saved a lot of money on that and, it, and a lot of headaches. Right, like I don't have to renew ever. I don't have to think yeah. about it. I'm just like my number never I'm changes. It never lapses. The only thing I miss out on is like the little like three packs of like power worms that you get for renewing. Like, yeah, <laughs> the little two worms in one deal. I'm just gonna yeah. turn my heat down real quick, but. All right. Uh, so, Dad, by wants to know: Is there anything you approved on this year? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I approve on something every year. That's just how I fish. I'm always, you know, I'm one of those that just completely thinks that uh, if you're not learning, you're dying. You know, not maybe not physically, but in the sport or whatever it is you're doing, you just really you can't get stuck in your ways. Uh, so I'm always trying to learn. I know I went down to Florida last year. I got an active target uh, last year. You know, I had a, you know, I, I like Sam Rayburn. I took second uh, in 20, what would that be? 19 in the fall, no, 20, mm-hmm. 2020 in the fall. And I had uh, whatever the original Lorance version was, wasn't nearly as you know good as the active target, but it, it was something. So I kind of figured I'd be good enough at it and went down to Florida and spent way too much time just having fun in Florida. And then, you know, all of a sudden showed up at Smith Lake, got my front teeth just kicked in by guys that were good, good with them. And so I, I spent a lot of time getting that technology down. Um, you know, I'd made a trolling motor change and that, that's, I, it's, I love the ghost, but it was, it was a change, you know, you're talking about a full electric trolling motor just moves a little bit different, a lot of adjusting, especially when you're talking about forward sonar and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, you know, just trying new techniques, trying different things. And I'm lucky I got Malax Lake in my backyard. So um, that, that's something I can do quite often is just, you know, get di- get dialed in on things. And it, it paid off even at Lake Norman. You know, I fished a lot of cane piles and offshore brush piles, and they fish a lot like Malax. You know, it wasn't smallies, but it ain't boulders either, you know, but same right. same type of principle. So, yeah, you know, def- definitely always, always learning, trying to probably the, trying the biggest to thing every just- week starting to dial in the live this year that'd probably be the biggest right the front live front facing yeah yeah it's just yeah. it's just uh, it's just another tool you know what i mean but yeah is there any intimidation do you think at the elite level yeah yeah i suppose but you know at the same time i've, I've basically have already fished against the best um right. to, to some degree as, as far I mean, as that like, goes you, you've probably i mean you i'm sure you fished against hackney and christie in the opens and yeah so i think like, the only angle on the planet that i know of that i haven't fished against that's you know doing it so is kevin van dam i've never fished a tournament against kevin van dam and obviously i won't have that chance to now but uh i mean uh, intimidation's fine but i i've never i was rich nose i was always the guy that just always had bigger ambitions than what i was ready for at that time and uh 
so so that part of it doesn't i'm just really excited to get out there and prove myself and try to make the most out of the opportunity but i mean they're good they're really really good it's a it's a stout stout field um so i I, you know i got to bring my a game absolutely 100 percent yeah it's definitely a stacked field and it's getting more stacked every year (laughs) right but the field, you know, the big thing is, is it's really you. It's it's what you do against, it you fish, against the, the most fish. important thing. You know, and, and that's true. If you catch 20 pounds, you're going to have a good day, regardless who's, who you're fishing against. So the biggest thing is just, uh, you know, to get out there and do my job. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't say intimidating is the right word. I got, but I got a ton of respect for everybody I'm, yeah. I'm fishing against, for sure. Christy, it took me 10 years. Christy sure made it look easy when he wanted back in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got my work cut out for me, for sure. Yeah. Hackney did too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John wants to know, how do you decide between active aggressive versus finesse or when do you? Yeah. I Me? mean, I always start aggressive until I like feel like I need to fall back to finesse, but yeah, I've changed my fishing habit a lot. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to put finesse and slow fishing kind of in the same category. So whether that's, you know, dragging a jig around, I'm not talking like pitch, you know, hardcore, like if you're just, kind of fishing i've learned to move water a lot faster now to find active fish and then if if i have active fish and i need to sit on them and i need to slow down i'll totally do that or if i need to finesse down like the question asked if i if i gotta do that sure i'll do it and i'm good at it i mean obviously i like whipping around a spinning rod and stuff like that uh quite often but at the, I mean, heck, I was the guy at Sam Rayburn with the drop shot and brush piles, you know, trying to win the tournament. But at the same time, I definitely want to just stick him in the face with a big jig hook or something like that and get him in the boat for sure. Josh did not grow up in Isle. No, I grew up in Shakopee. My, my mom lived in Shakopee. My dad lived in Minneapolis. And then I've just bounced around. I've lived in Florida. I've lived in Tennessee, just kind of moving around, learning how to fish different places. Moved up here like five or six years ago. We actually talked about this pregame here, and I was giving him some <laughs> tips on how he could. Uh, his the, the thing was when they did them, Seth and Josh both lived five minutes from each other on the lax, right? So they just and I was like, we'll just yeah. just there's there's technology, and so we got the wheels turning in the pre. Yeah, we got it going. I'll be bringing back webinars in some some facet, you know. But as far as Seth and I's webinars, yeah, we lived both around Lake Minnetonka all the time, and then moved up to Malax and we were both up here. So we were close by. It was easy to, easy to put them together. We Bree's the one that put them together. You know, we just, she just could deal with two different dudes, ADDs and keep us in the same room and make sure the things got done. But at the same time, like, yeah, Rich just showed me a whole bunch of uh, tricks on here to, to bring it back. And it's something that I think it will. And now that we're fishing the same tour, who knows, we might have more opportunity to, sure. to do some of that again, for sure. We, it's amazing how people still ask about them. It's been a couple of years now. Yeah, if you uh, sign me up, if you want some, if you want somebody else to help you, I'll do a, maybe a jig shallow power fishing. We could team up. Yeah, I think that's school. what's going to have to be. Something just pick different people and sit down, yeah. and I think that'd be kind of cool to try to do something like that and get people over on my YouTube channel. Yes. So, yes, Bill, Josh, and I did fish one season of the NABC together, and we just we don't talk about that. It was it was it was a bad year. We didn't really give it a whole Our finishes were we bad. Really like, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we'd show up on, like, Friday and practice yeah. and then try to get it together. Uh, it was fun, though. But Rich and I fished a lot. Rich Rich taught me a lot about fishing, like, when I first got into it at, at Gopher. Uh, 
him, his dad, they're, you know, the Brandt brothers, Paul Coffey. There's, uh, you know, a bunch of them. I don't even want, I should stop now because we'll, we'll miss somebody out there. But, uh, yeah, we fished a lot together and, and, and had, had some fun for sure. But, yeah, the NABC, was, you know, we should bring, we should do a tournament trail again just to get that taste out of our mouth, I think. It was like if it yeah, could have went wrong, it went wrong. Yeah, I still never was, forget our canal. We had it done. I both called <laughs> Bree. I've never. I'm not even like overly confident guy, but I like. We were basically talking about what we were going to do with the money type of deal. Yeah. I think That's it was like, eleven o'clock. Uh, we didn't have a bag. Went to Connie Winnebago. Like we were like last like thirty minutes of practice, and we pull in this canal, and they're like, "There's twenty pounds everywhere." Show up the next morning. Uh, nothing i was so green i didn't even know how to run a bass boat then i remember just spearing waves out, out there in the water it was i think we went in there because you were sick of getting me getting yelled wet what's up billy billy in the house oh yeah billion yeah what's up will good to see you buddy uh bangers in the house what's up banger banger back-to-back weeks he's here for seth and josh All right. So uh, Brian says, what's going to be a successful year for you? Like, what's the benchmark? Like, when you look back, like, making a classic, rookie of the year. Are you you eligible? Are you eligible rookie of the year? I don't even know if you are. Yeah. Yep. I'm eligible rookie this year. I mean, of course, I want to say rookie of the year. That's a big one. But it's just I want to make the classic. You know, that's that's my goal this year. I feel good about the schedule, you know, and that's one thing that I really enjoy about the elites is, is I tend to do better on fisheries that are known for putting up big bags like i'd rather fish for big fish it's what i did down on minnetonka it's what i do on malax so it's natural for me and living on chickamauga there for a year and a half you know just i like those types of fisheries um there's not a spotted bass fishery on the schedule so that makes me extra happy right now uh but yeah i mean d- definitely that's uh the big fish factories are definitely uh something that i like for sure yeah and, and I don't know it, but that's a, that is one point though. Sorry, Rich. That is one one point I was going to say though is that like I don't know the schedule that well. Like St. John's, I, I've never been to, uh, but the Harris Chain I know really well. You know, and and a lot of them guys haven't been there. Now you got the Johnstons and Gussie and stuff that fished the FLW there along you know with me for a couple of years. They're going to be good, and of course the Bass Open guys that the elite guys that fish the opens. But I like the Harris Chain. I like it a lot. Uh, but then when we go to South Carolina, I've never been uh, there. I can't think of the name of the lake right now. Um, should be a good one though. It stays in the spring. Sandy Cooper, Fork. I've only been there for like a day. I got like twelve hours on Fork in my life. You, you know, the closest. Well, lacrosse, lacrosse. I'm. I, I don't seem to ever do well there, but I'm gonna switch that up a little bit this year. I think the biggest thing about the elites I'm looking most forward to is you know eighty ninety boats or whatever that ended yeah. on. I'm just so used to fishing two hundred twenty five or one eighty or something like that and. Not saying it's going to be any easier. It's just nice to kind of lock stuff like that, you know, getting through locks mm-hmm. at places like uh, Harris Chain, where it only takes nine boats, or uh, Popka, I think, takes two, something like that. So you just just to have a little bit of flexibility to move around and stuff like that, I, I think that'll be a little change of pace. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody else frozen? I feel like we're moving <clears throat> on my screen. So um, I was just going to ask you, is there any – are you, are you planning to pre-practice any of these lakes? Or are you just going to like use the two? Yeah. Days? No, definitely. Like I'm going to go down there. I, you know, I won't, I don't fish them. I, a lot of times if I go to a place during pre-practice, I won't fish it. And that's, and that's strictly because 
uh, I just don't want preconceived notions in my head. I understand things change and change fast. Like I've fished long enough to know that even your three days of practice, things will most likely change before Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and definitely by Sunday, you just got to revolve it and, you know, change with the fish. So, you know, that's a big one, but I will, I will be going around and I will be, uh, you know, looking at some of these lakes that I never, like, I don't know where the boat ramp is. You know, I want to know all that stuff. And and I am, you know, to a degree, I, I like to idle. If I, if I can make something fish small for me or specific targets, you know, I, I, I don't mind doing that type of fishing. So if I can find certain stuff early that I don't need to do during practice, but mainly, you know, you think, look at Santee Cooper, you look at Lake Fork. I mean, half the battles lacrosse, learning how to get around is going to be a big, big deal. So I think if I can at least do that, but then I'll, you know, I'll stay fishing, but I just don't usually fish them when I go pre-practice. I just kind of look around, save notes, drop sure. waypoints on stuff I think might be good. And, and then that's it. Cool. Merry Christmas, Pete. Pete. Merry Christmas, Pete. Elite Series win or a 15-pounder? Oh, an Elite Series win. Yeah. Well, easy. Me too. Easy. Like, easy. I'd rather have that than a 15-pound smallmouth. I'm relaxed, dude. I want an yeah. Elite Series win bad. Yeah, I, I put that 100K in the bank, and then I'll go chase that 15-pounder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do something like that. I can chase 15-pounders the rest of my life. Yeah. Nope. It's uh, the usual Diet Dr. Pepper and Kraken. Yeah, we're getting old. I'm drinking a freaking soda water here. Yeah, you and you and uh, you and Fighter were both drinking. Like Wednesday night is my night to like have a cocktail. Fighter is drinking a soda water. It was like a Fresca. Yeah. Okay, that's not all right. Fair enough. I was gonna say I don't know if I've ever even seen him take a sip. Well, of water I remember like a, a bubbly water, not a, not a but like a. Oh, okay. Good for him. I mean, basically, Fresca is basically a lime seltzer water, right? Like it's, yeah, it's got sugar. Yeah, he must have been out of Mountain Dew. He was. He said this is what the fish drinks. I fish with yeah, I fish with him a lot, but I've never seen him take a drink of water in my whole entire life. <laughs> uh, I've te- seen him grab like I've seen him grab a Mountain Dew that was four weeks old and sip the bl- bottom quarter out of it real quick. But I, I don't know if I've ever seen him drink a drink yeah, water he, before. <laughs> Lightner Choder was talking about. He was. It's like yeah, they got the kid drinks warm Mountain Dew like nobody's business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Backlash Pro, uh, channel member, and just uh, if, for those of you guys that are channel member, I definitely try to highlight your guys' questions and get to them. Um, but talk cool. about how you use, I, I know you use relief shading a lot, um, yeah, but like what, what maybe, maybe give a tip or a way you use it a little bit to kind of, yeah, um, uh, relief shading, you know, basically all it is is colored contours with shading involved, so instead of just like your flat. Uh, color contours which you can do on their app uh relief shading also makes it kind of pop with the shadows and what what i really like about it when i let's first start about when i won't use it i don't use it if the lake doesn't have a lot of contour if it's florida you know it's flat Mm -hmm. everything will look red but if you start getting a lot of creek channels like your reservoirs uh your smallmouth stuff that's all going river channels all all that stuff's going to be really really good and especially we have a lot of contour and for a guy that has, I mean, I've been with Navionis, my longest running sponsor, Rich. I've been with them since I probably the gopher days, you know, I, I were like my first sponsor. And uh, I, I'm, I'm used to looking at contour. I've d- done it a lot. But relief shading will just make it pop out at you. So stuff that like when you get a lot of contour, you're looking at it. All of a sudden, you'll see that little hump or that little kick off on the side of a hump. 
something like that. And especially when you're looking around for brush piles, man-made type stuff, you start getting an idea where people are thinking. But then mostly I can see the migration of fish. You know, once you once a person starts understanding how fish want to migrate on any given body of water and what they want to do, you know, pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn, summer, fall, you can kind of look at it. And then it's just deer hunting, you know, now you're just looking at different areas and then you just got to find sweet spots that it is that they're going to want to hang on or scrap it all and just go shallow and skip a jig. Yeah. You can do that yeah, too. Same. And I use the Lake master, same, same deal, right? Like yep. And yep. they were actually, I mean, they were one of the first ones to have it and that was a big deal for Lake master back in the day. And huge. for me, yeah. the two big things for me is that make things pop that you maybe drive with yep. drive by, you see a little bump or a little hump in a flat or whatever. But the other thing that I really like, especially on, now this is mostly based on northern lakes where you have like weeds, right? Like on Gull, Lahamadu, you start catching fish in eight feet or you start catching fish in 17 feet. You can pretty much adjust your highlight to be like plus or minus two or three feet of where you got bit in two places. And then you go around the rest of the lake and just look at the key areas that are bright green or wherever you want to set that color. And it's amazing how consistent that will be so without a doubt and a perfect example was rayburn last year when i figured out they were in brush i i started marking brush 25 feet to six feet and when i started figuring out that they were in that like eight to 12 that's where they wanted to be because the water was mm -hmm. dropping it was fall they wanted to be shallow but there wasn't well water on those cypress trees or nothing then i could just i set it to that depth range and then just stayed in that depth range and that you know, saved me so much time in, in, in official practice of finding enough brush piles to have enough to actually make it through to that, to that final day. So a hundred percent, you're, that, that's a big deal. Time saver. Like once you dial them in, you can run it so much faster. Yep. Yep. Uh, we talked about, you talked about flipping a jig. What's, what's, what's your favorite jig color and, and go to oh, yeah, green, green pumpkin. Definitely. You, I mean, do you like a green straight pumpkin green pumpkin? Or do you like no, no, I or... actually like like the magic craw, or blue craw. I forget what we call it, but fighter's jig. I use fighter's jig. I either use the uh, you know, the stealth fighter if I'm flipping grass or cage fighter if I'm you know, flipping anything that can get hung up, docks and wood and uh, you know, pads and stuff like that. But um, you know, that blue with that little bit of that light blue uh, shimmer or whatever it is, green pumpkin and then a green pumpkin, you know, trailer or something, but. Uh, and then black and blue, you know, black and blue or just straight black, any of those colors. I'm, I'm pretty simple. I, I used to get big into it, and then I just figured out that that wore me out trying to really, really dial something in. So I, I'm pretty, pretty easy unless unless I figure out that a certain body of water is known for a certain color that I might, you know, you might be a fool not to. But for the most part, that green crop, uh anything to match a crawdad crawdad purge blue it kind of all looks the same right yeah i'm pretty like i throw that i got that black brown green pumpkin mix and yeah, then that's a good color. Craw, green pumpkin black blue yep. like those are like nine out of ten those are the two colors i'm throwing and yep. for me speed grub and menace grub are my go-to's most of the time but yeah yeah definitely Banger with a question. It's more like what do you say here? Any words? Thanks and saying I like love overlay. your video on how to do Navionics overlay. Yeah. Color contours with Lawrence. It's that uh any word on when they will have more legs. So they're always adding them. I mean Garmin owns Navionics now, so they're uh, uh they're just adding they're adding light maps as fast as they can put them out. 
So it's just something that's the kind of Navionics deal. It's all about the updates. You know, that's you buy a card and you get a year of updates. And the reason that is, is because they're, they're doing it. I, I want to actually, I download all my maps. Like I just did that yesterday for the entire season where I first saw myself going, but then right before the tournament, I do it again, just because there will definitely be changes on there. And I just, I just refresh my maps, but I make sure to do it early in the season, just in case, you know, I forget or I have a bad internet connection when I, when I get somewhere. What's up, Kent? Merry Christmas. I can't. Uh, When I'm flipping the jig and grass, I guess I usually, I mean, like, assuming we're talking like milfoil, coontail type edges lately, I've been starting with a three quarter, like something I can like, you know, speed kills, get it down, get it through there. Um, and then I'll adjust from there. But I'm a five ace guy. I like five yeah. ace for whatever reason. Cause I used to get caught between half and three quarters and I just kind of settled on a, a five ace. But yeah, definitely if they want it a little faster, I'll go to, or if I can't get it through, if it starts getting held up in the grass and I don't feel like I can get to the bottom fast enough, then I'll, yeah. I don't think they like it, you know, when it holds, whether you're punching mats or whether you're flipping milfoil lines, I don't think they like it to hold up, up there too long before it falls down in their yeah. face. So and some of that you can adjust with record. trailer, right? Like you go a little Definitely. heavier. Yep. If you want to bulk up, then you need a little heavier jig to keep that speed, or you can go with something real yep. streamlined and yeah, so. Or lose your action a little bit on your jig trailer and that should make it fall a little quicker. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Glad you hopefully it inspired you. Hopefully you got something on your, your list that you're going to get under the tree this year. So uh, critical gravy rule of thumb for setting up on brush piles, distance, wind, sun. Do you come from the windy side, the sunny side shadow? How far critical what? gravy asks good questions. Like these are questions I don't really like to answer. It took a long time. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a big deal, man. I, um, I come at it into the wind because of spot lock. I, I want to control how fast I can come in on it, and I want to be able to get off of the pile or stay back. Uh, and that, This kind of goes, honestly, with, with fishing a lot of things that are specific um, deals. So um, the sun, I don't care too much about because I tend to stay so far away from the pile. Uh, I usually start at launching at it from about 120 feet because I can make that cast. Um, you know, with a, with a reaction bait, something that, that I feel like I can just pull an active fish off with, and then I'll start moving in to the pile until I'm, you know, close to right over the top of it to make sure I can get a drop shot in there. If I really like it, if I'm, if, especially if I'm seeing something on the active target, that makes me think that there's, you know, active bass or something in there. But yeah, I usually, you know, I usually take the active target completely out of the equation right away and stay far enough away. I have it set at a hundred feet. And I'm, I'm trying to launch before I can see that old school style, just lining up my point one puck with the, with the actual dot that I have saved there and, and firing at it, trying to pull them away that way. And then uh, move in slowly. It, you know, it depends on how much I like to pile, how long I'll stay there. Yeah. And I think like don't sleep on the point one or the or the hummingbird with what are they called? Heading sensor or whatever. I'm sure right. Carmen has the same thing. Like I think a lot of people underestimate, how big a deal that heading sensor puck is like that's huge huge deal it makes yeah. hitting the target it made me a better offshore fisherman like that well yeah you remember trying to throw like a little 
freaking uh, buoy out there yeah. to, on your spot, and then you and then it didn't know which direction you were, so we didn't really know what way you're supposed to be throwing yeah. jig worms and stuff. Until and you put one of those heading sensor pucks on your boat, you don't realize how much your boat's doing this, and where you think the bow is pointing at your waypoint, you're you're completely yeah. wrong. Yeah, I think me and the Brant brothers got more dang arguments over where are we casting right now <laughs> to any of that. But yeah, if it was with any of that kind of you know GPS type. Um, pucks and stuff that keeps you that dialed in it's it's important uh to do that first and and there's no doubt there's absolutely no doubt that fish are getting shyer to electronics um the more we're we're putting them on the boat for sure like as much as you got to be good at them you do you really do got to be good at them now because there's a time and a place uh, where you're going to need them you also need to know when not to when not to use them to get away with staying away from fish nothing's better it's like right it's like bow hunting and shooting them with a 30 out six <laughs> You know, a bow, you got to get, you got to be good. You got to get them to come within, you know, a few yards of you, whatever it is, uh, 30 out six, you can reach out and touch them across the field. So it's, that's always going to be your advantage. I'm, I'm guessing way more big bucks die by a 30 out six than they do a, a bow at the end of the year, you know? Yeah, for sure. So we'll celebrate. We're over a hundred between, uh, awesome. YouTube and Facebook, awesome. but, uh, we'll see if we can get to We're not putting up fighter again. numbers here. Yeah, like we had 200 just on YouTube at one point last week. So we'll see. If you guys awesome. are here enjoying it, bump that thumbs up, maybe share it, Thank text you. a buddy, let them know what they're missing. Um, before I forget, I want to make sure we shout out Arsenal Fishing for uh, helping out the channel and the stream. Those guys are doing awesome stuff. Uh, you can see the codes down below. So don't forget about them. If you don't get what you want for Christmas, you can hook yourself up with some some scissors and, and some uh, some sun gear and things like that. Uh, do you approach grass different on a tidal fishery? No, yeah. yeah, well, yeah I've never I, fished not, it, but I would imagine you would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I, I, I don't try to fool myself. I live in Minnesota. I'm the first person away from a tide uh, on this continent. So, but at the, at the same time, I mean, yeah, if, if it's kind of common sense to the fact of, you know, if you have water over the top of your grass, then you can swim stuff on top of it. Once that starts to fall, if you still want to fish that grass then you either need to get to the edge of it or you need to start punching into it, um, you know, as it moves down. So, and which is, which is a good question because I don't, I'm not good enough to run a tide and know what I'm doing. And that, I've fished like place like the Potomac and the James enough that I felt like I was good enough at times to do it. But then you find out, Oh, well, it's, that's an East wind, man. An East wind makes the tide hold up for an extra hour or we're on a super moon, you know, you're like, whatever. So a lot of it for me now is just, if I like the area, I'm just going to try to change and adapt with it as they stop biting. Yeah. So, you just know, it's real thumb, sliding out, you know? like just camp in an area and like play those. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick wants to know: Have you dabbled, or do you? Is there any point you use the Lorance versus an Avionics or some of the new stuff? I mean, obviously they're combined now, um, but is there? Do you switch? Yeah, back I mean, and forth? Probably, I mean, there... Navionics is one of my biggest sponsors. Um, Navionics has the most maps. You know, that's a big deal across the country. Uh, there, there's really not a lake I've been to that I know of that Navionics doesn't have. Um, but of course, you know, there's some that Humminbird have better and Lawrence have better, um, just because they've been mapped more recently and, and stuff like that. So 
I, I just like a crankbait. There's not a single one crankbait I can use my entire life, every situation. So uh, I'll definitely pay attention to, to other maps and look at them for sure. But I, you know, I can't, I can't say I did this year at all. No, I think I was looking at an avionics map all the time. You got any, any, uh, old baits that you just you keep in the rotation yeah definitely the the wick yeah wc1 yeah for sure probably i think i just retired this one because i got like unless somebody knows how to fix it for me it's just all eating up eating up i hit too many docks and stuff but i know a guy oh uh, uh, yeah man i'm there's some guys that can fix them i know a guy yeah there's a yeah no i i, I definitely do i as much as i try to stay up on trends and new baits and stuff like that i definitely uh still stick with the old shrewd ones uh, that, that have caught fish for a long time. And I'll tell you, talking about the WEC, I still don't think I found a square bill that'll come through a brush pile or a lay down, I should say, like that one will. You know what I mean? Like it walks through it almost as good as my jig can. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not in the business of getting rid of baits too often. Um, you know, I try, try to keep them and I bring them back and reuse them and, stuff like that for sure definitely try to try to do both try to stay with the old stuff and also get with the new stuff um big time that's what i do right it's fishing man it's, I'm, I'm a tackle junkie as much as i am a, a fisherman yeah i think marty burns i think tackle craft uh he could fix it oh yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah but uh yeah, yeah i mean like for me i still got a bunch of those old vixens that i love to just lean yeah. on yeah you want to sell one of them good Christmas present, somebody like a bone one. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably stay firm on those. <laughs> You'll need something one day. You know, Rich and I used to. Rich and I used to go out fishing together, and, and the game would be whoever lost that day. The winner got to go in their tackle box and take whatever bait they want. I still have a yellow magic of yours. That's like a little trophy mm-hmm. of mine that I just just keep there, but. That's a fun game, actually. Yeah. If you know you're playing that game, you might pack differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good to know that ahead of time. It's good to be the co in that situation. <laughs> Walk off like a 316 workhorse or something. Yeah. Don, I'm pretty sure if you, like, uh, reach out to Tacklecraft. And if he didn't, I bet you he'd tell somebody that would for sure. Uh, right on. This is a good question. Top three people that shaped your career. Hmm. Mm. like do i need to know them or can it just be like uh yep. like inspirational type deal? i think you could be either <clears throat> well i'm gonna start with al lindner and and why al because growing up you know he's a minnesota boy and not only is he good at you know the promotional side or the teaching side is what i want to say but he's a hammer and you can catch him you know, like he, like he, he's, he's both. So growing up, like that was a big deal uh, and still is, you know, to try to, to try to emulate somebody um, like that. My uncle Jeff is, was big for me. My uncle Jeff passed away of brain cancer in his forties. Um, he, he was out of my whole family and I have a divorced family. So I have a big family. I got, you know, a dad, a stepdad, a mom, a stepmom, and then aunts and uncles and grandparents spring off from that. And, I had, you know, grandparents that took me fishing. My dad, my stepdad took me fishing. But my Uncle Jeff was the bass fisherman in the group. Everyone else wanted walleyes, northern, toothy, stuff like that. He's the one that wanted that was into bass fishing. And uh, 
so he, he kind of got me into the young age, uh, got me going into the bass side at a young age. If, if he was here today, you know, I bought my first bass boat. He passed away like a year later, something like that. So he's been gone now for a little while, but he'd, he'd be traveling with me today. I know it, you know, like uh-huh. doing stuff like that if he was around. So he, he he would definitely be there. And, man, it's tough. There's so many people that, I mean, from Rich to – I mean, I don't know. You know, fighter would honestly be one of them. He just, he's taught me so much about bass fishing, you know, uh, tournament fishing. I mean, I played hockey and stuff my life. Fighter's been hunting and fishing his entire dang life, dude. He's really freaking good at it. Uh, the way he thinks is good, but he just taught me, you know, a lot of things over the years. And then, and then not only that, he's always been the cream of the crop for our generation. So he was the one that we were always chasing. And uh, every now and then, you know, we, we snag a nut from him, something like that. But for the most part, he's the one collecting them and doing good. But but he's showing that it's tangible the whole time. You know, there's, some, there's something there. And he just keeps doing that, you know, from being the first guy to qualify for the elites. And now we got three Minnesota dudes. Well, four. Depend, yeah. I mean, I don't even keep track right now. Yeah, four. Four Minnesota dudes on the uh, elites. And then your Wisconsin guys that weren't there really much before and stuff like that. So, and now he goes out and gets something like an AOY and it just, and I'm taking nothing away from him, but he's making it tangible. He's making it realize that, you know, we, if you're good enough and you put in the effort and, that, and that's the thing about that dude is he's good, good, but he was out there every damn day. I'd go out on Minnetonka and his damn yellow boat was out there every single day. So he's good. And he puts in the time. So, I mean, I, I got to give him the credit, the credit there. Yeah. He's been, been pretty damn inspirational and definitely has taught me a lot he's taught me more than i've taught him i know that yeah cool yeah i'd say my dad for sure like he was in a bass club since like the 80 early 80s and like i fished with him a ton and like obviously like a ton of stuff that i like to do and stuff that i ended up not liking to fish because of the way (laughs) it went both ways but he taught me a lot i mean like he taught me how to use a flasher he taught me how you know all kinds of things um, you know, helping him pre-fish for tournaments was big. Uh, as far as like a like an early inspirational guy, like my lender would be like Hank Parker. I loved watching Hank Parker yeah, as a kid. Hank's like awesome. I thought he was like the deal, and he smooth, was smooth, like, isn't deal. he? Yeah, yeah, he is smooth. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I would say today, like more modern angler, somebody that like I would say model my game off would be like a Hackney type. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. Hackney's a badass. For sure. And if I could, and, and you know, the big one of the biggest one would be Gopher Bassmasters as a whole. Like mm-hmm. that was very, very critical to me being here and me to have the guts to even start fishing stuff like the Bassmaster Weekend Series and the Silverado. And because, you know, we go out there and we were competitive as hell. I mean, competitive, but then we all sat there and told each other what we were doing, taught each other how to fish. And I just, the, the federations, that kind the club stuff is just so. Like I said, when I when I retire from the big tournament trail, I'll definitely be paying it forward and going back to go for Bassmaster to help the next, next, next generation. You know, uh, that kind of stuff's hugely – it's a very hard answer because there's so many people that you meet. that, And that's the key. That's that's the biggest key. you got to fish with people. You have to be open-minded. You have to know that everyone you fish with knows something that you don't that works for them. And if they're willing to tell you that and show you that, then you're going to figure out a way to make it work for you. So, yeah, there's a lot of people, but those three, definitely. Yeah, that I, I might get the years wrong, but maybe like 2005 to 2008 in Gopher, that was kind of that stretch where 
the Brants and you and I and Paul and my dad and Dave Ham and your dad, yeah, yeah, like Dave Ham. You know, we, we were Dave all Hamm fishing this hard day. in the club, and we'd go to state, and we were fishing the weekend series and the Denny's and the Silverados, and like Brant was getting AOIs, and you know, you guys were winning awesome. NABCs. Like it was, it was pretty legit. It was a legit. It is a legit club, but yeah, it was. It was awesome. Uh, Chatterbait, Weed Flat, Windy Days. He said he gets most of his big fish came thrown into the wind. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, thrown into the wind. I mean, bringing it, throwing it into the wind, bringing it back to you with the wind is a little bit natural current situation. Uh, and the grass Definitely. is going to lay. Uh, another thing, I don't know how shallow the grass is, but when the wind blows, right, you're going to get that grass coming with the winds so when you th- yep. throw into the wind you're going to be pulling it and your chatterbait's going to come through that grass a little freer uh that that might be part of it too i think in most cases i'm trying to fish into the into the wind yeah. and a lot Boat of guys control. don't want it they backlash the reel a lot it's harder to get distance on it but you know stuff like that but when you're you know you yeah. got to pre- present the bait naturally as natural as you can to the fish for sure I think I, mean, I remember back in the day i used to want to let the wind get behind me right because it's easier to cast and make a big cast but then you just you know yeah you don't have no control over your bait so that and if the fish are facing into the wind they're gonna you know see it i don't know there's and chatter baits and and weed flats on windy days sounds like a great way to catch big bass i mean yeah. that's just they tend to want to sit up up on top you know you get your hot warm stagnant days and they're going to get in the weeds where you a lot of times you got to punch they're going to be underneath the canopy seeking shade you get those windy days and they tend to want to sit up on top of the vegetation and more of in the hunt mode. So then you can, you know, do something and a chatterbait just calls up big ones. You, you got to love a chatterbait. I mean, you love jigs and it's just a blade on a jig, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Like that was like my yeah, number three, beer, three, three bait of the year was a chatterbait for. Yeah, definitely. Smallies and largies. Definitely. Uh, any keys for shell beds? Oh yeah, they're tough. Shell I mean, like, beds, shell them, beds are... I guess to me, like finding them is the biggest deal. Once you find them, I don't think they're that hard to fish. But yeah, when you understand why shell beds are there in the first place, it'll start getting a lot easier to find. And generally, it's current. You know, those shells need something to be able to get their food, and the bass want to be on it because it's it's a harder bottom. But again, it's a current spot. It's it's feeding stuff into them. Um, a lot of times, shell beds are in shallower water so here's one tip for you would be to drop your power poles and go on 100 on your trolling motor and you'll feel them dig against the shells they're hard to see on side imaging because a lot of times you're shallow um and they're harder to see and then everything just kind of gets real white and you're generally in a current spot where that keeps the muck and everything away so you're already going to have sand and all that there um, so just knowing where they are and then just pick up a Carolina rig, you know, something big and heavy that you can drag and, and you can, you can feel the shells. And then for the rants, I'm not sure about the other, other electronics, but for the rants, they have a palette that's orange, uh, bright orange. That'll actually show you the shell beds the best. Cause they come off like, they come off like real white and kind of even shadowy and stuff. So only time I ever use that palette, but if I'm, that's what I'm looking for, I'll, I'll flip it to that, to that orange palette on side imaging. The dead giveaway is when a uh, clam clamps onto your Carolina rig. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> then you bingo. know you're on a good clam bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or or when your crankbait just doesn't even hit the bottom and you know you got a bass on, that's even better. Yeah, well, that, uh, yeah. yeah, 
I, I actually like I don't know if it, it was a subtle little 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 Easter egg I put in one of my lacrosse videos, but on the second or day three video, I actually show myself like prying a clam off my Carolina rig on the spot. So that's the deal. Um, have you, have you ever, did you ever did you go to Hawaii? You ever been there? No, never been, never been. I'm gonna sneak out there. I gotta do shields. Don't gotta get to do shields. University, uh, nice thing that they do out there in South Dakota in like April. I might die on Oahe in April, but I'm going to try to sneak over there uh, then just to try to idle around and look around and get to know it. It's a beast. I know it's big and it's long and I have no idea what to expect. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'll get over there. No, no, I've never been there before. Uh, and in lacrosse, actually, I'm not looking the most forward to, I mean, Chickamauga, I like Chickamauga a lot. Uh, I'm looking forward Harris to that chain. one. Fork, I'm looking Harris chain. St. John's, I like fishing in Florida. I generally can do well to start the year off um down there sandy cooper it's the whole schedule is really good pickwick is offshore i love fishing ledge tournaments and i mean i've i've done pretty well fishing ledge tournaments when the ledge bite wasn't that good like douglas lake uh kentucky lake stuff like that and even chickamauga and chickamauga's tiny where pickwick i think right now is probably your best ledge lake on the on in the country right now so there's a lot of spots the guy can get out there and fish i've never been but at the same time, looking at the time of year, like that should be that should be pretty ledgy. So you're going to learn that quick. one. I'm sure. Yeah, I've I think there. I will. I, I yeah. like the Tennessee River, so it yeah. should be good. And it's got, you know, I mean, it's no secret. It's got a little bit of grass. So if, if you get tired of right. scanning, you, there's there's some options. And I like grass. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get around grass, that's going to be my, my main deal. For a sure. lot in the, the Nationals, I fished a lot of the Northern. I mean, Pat Schlopper won it and. I did really well the first couple of days, and so I mean, a lot of northern guys did well uh, at Pickwick. So Pat's going to smash them, is what you're saying at uh, at Pickwick. It was different. It was November. Uh, oh, yeah. He didn't. He wasn't anything special this past year. But then that was a flood. I mean, I don't, um, Pat can catch him any given time, any given yeah. situation for sure. Lanier or Hartwell? I mean, you do love spots. So any advice yeah. for Will? Um. Okay, Hartwell, I like. Because it's a cane pile lake, so I, I like that. I'm pretty good at digging stuff out and finding stuff. That, that's something I'm good at. And cane piles are very hard to find. Um, so that that one I like. But here's the deal with with Hartwell is the spotted bass are okay. It's the largemouth that you need to catch. And with blueback herring, those those largemouths are offshore. You know, and they get shallow too. They definitely get shallow. But at the same time, depending on the time of year and all that, they're all about the bluebacks. And that lake is changing by the year, it seems like, as those as those uh, get more. So, um, But Lanier is my favorite spotted bass fishery. It's actually one that I can feel pretty dang good about. But, again, it's a factory. Dude. You know, it's big fish, big fish factory. And I just seem to have a knack for getting bigger fish, uh, uh, being able to go for bigger fish and getting them – getting them fish to bite. So I tend to like the the bigger, badder fisheries in general. Like I'm not a beaver lake guy. That ain't going to work. That, that don't work for me too well. There's no vegetation. They're, you know, it's just not my, it's not my deal. Everything looks the same to me. Yeah. Landon said he saw you walking the dog and he caught a smallie through the ice. So did he today? Uh, must've been recent. Hey, well, well, today I was out there yesterday. running the dog today. I did see a couple boats up there on that uh, up there. That's cool. What's up, I hear guys are catching smallies. I hear guys are catching smallmouth 
to the ice. I think it gets a little tougher later in the year, but I would be the last one to know. Tiger Musky, Minnesota. Got the musky guys on here. That's awesome. I was definitely out there today with the dog. <laughs> so Brian wants to know, is there any new baits besides uh, the, the perfect Ned that he can buy way too many of? Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, there's one that you guys will like. If you like the perfect Ned head, you're definitely going to like what's coming. Um, I can't talk about it. I actually asked Connor today at Outcast if I could talk about it. When will we know about it? How about that? We won't. I think soon. I think. I think soon. I think. I think with all the COVID stuff going on and the you know people just trying to catch up all their stuff, it's been tough for companies to want to release brand new things right now. They're heck. They're having tough enough time trying to keep up with the demand and and uh, and get the stuff that they actually need. But I do believe uh, 2022 and hopefully pretty early. I think we. I think we just approved it and it's a done deal so we just got to get them we just got to get them here but um I'll, I'll be more excited to talk about it soon but it, it's pretty close to it's in that it's in that ballpark of the things gold nine perfect nethead it's in that kind of in that kind of deal fit, fit a little gonna, bit different, have a hook? different niche. oh yeah it's got a hook <laughs> I'll give you that. as far as a hard bait i don't know if you'll ever see a, me with a hard bait i'm, I'm you know yeah, I'm like guys like product it's probably a jig <laughs> yeah something yeah exactly and we, we're, we're doing pretty good we got a lot of that kind of stuff going on but yeah it's a good one as far as the hard baits yeah we'll let, let guys like david fritz stuff keep did you know keep coming up with the keep coming up with the hard baits i'm i'm i don't know what i like i just like the ones that catch fish for me billy wants to know why brie is the coolest yeah she is man i don't know i don't know we should, we should have, have like no a idea. Rion not, instead of Josh sometime. Just it should. That's what I'm saying. No, for sure. Definitely. We want to listen to what she's got to say. I bet you she knows more fishing information for a person that doesn't even really like to fish. I bet you she has more knowledge than most of people on this thing right now. And if I mean, not, she, she could give us tips on like you know. how to get good content and yeah, oh, yeah. good photos and she keeps she keeps definitely makes me look good for sure uh ryan wants to know if you if, if, he, if he wants you to send him a gopher sticker for nostalgia yeah i would definitely stick in my rod box so i put it on my windshield for sure yeah heck yeah definitely that'd bring good luck i'm offended ryan but... yeah exactly <laughs> um you're a club prez for crying out loud yeah, for like a long time, ten years. Uh, yeah. Did any good uh, biscuit and gravy spots? And uh, when you're in Chattanooga, dude, I'm gonna say we make better biscuits and gravy up north than they do down south, in my opinion. Bree the reason why I'm gonna say that, Bree, Bree definitely does. Bree definitely does. But we like a lot of spice and stuff up here. I like real spicy sausage and stuff like that. Um, uh, so it's not it's not really the thing that I go out and get. I try to stay a little bit on the healthier side, you know, bacon, and then I go from there. But no, but uh, not nothing I can think of. I do know some good, some real like Champy's chicken. Now that's some of the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. And that's around the Chattanooga area. Nice. Uh, that, that, that spot's that spot's real good. You got any uh, JDM baits that you lean on? 
or that you're into? Oh, you sure. Think? Yeah, no, JDM. I'm always, I've always been a JDM guy. I mean, I, I like them all, man. There's a place for striking baits. There's a place for, you know, JDM stuff. Um, Shimano, I, 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 you know, the Vision 110, stuff like that. I mean, it all came from there. Now it's pretty pretty Americanized and all that, but you definitely, you know, I, I keep I keep an eye on, on the stuff that's coming out of Japan and that, that's catching fish. Um, for sure. If, if you look at, we've, we've brought over a lot of stuff that becomes very ses- successful here. And as fish get more and more pressured, uh, that's why I think that stuff's so successful is Japan doesn't have all the lakes like we got. So those fish get, you know, framed in on the regular, they get fished very, very hard. So they, you know, even though they got 17, 18, 25 pounders out there, they're still using four pound test, five pound test and ridiculous ways that end up becoming staples over here for us. So yeah, definitely. I was trying, I'm not going to say I'm the first one, yeah. the pioneer of the guy that brings it over and, and, and does it. I like to see somebody else make, you know, prove it, back it up a little bit, but I'm always keeping an eye on what's going on over we, there. And then you to be those guys. We used to be those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah. back in the day, we were like, "Oh, like, look, look at this little crank." We would order weird For stuff sure. off eBay, and then, and then, then we would like, catch them on it, and then we like, "Oh, it takes four weeks to get another one." Well, okay. Um, so yeah, I, like they, you know, Shimano, Shimano's bringing a lot of their hard bait lines. It started with the jerk baits and stuff like that, and that's all JDM stuff from Japan that's been there that they're bringing that technology over. So that's exciting, you know. Being with Shimano, I'll, I'll get to. You know, I really haven't had a hard bait sponsor since BioVex, you know, going back and, uh, um, which is kind of nice. I got to open up my arsenal and, and really kind of get to know everybody's stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then be able to have input for some of the Shimano stuff that's coming. But yeah, again, you just, the JDM stuff, they're pioneers. They do things right. It seems, you know, um, a lot of detail, stuff like that. So I, I think it's important, but then again, there ain't nothing like some good old American bass fishing either and throwing a big deep plug or, uh, or uh, flipping a jig around too. So you just, I don't, I don't think any of it, you know, again, you just got to stay versatile and stick with your confidence stuff, but also you got to develop new confidence stuff as it comes, comes yeah. along. I, too. I think it, as a tournament angler, I, I kind of feel like I want to wait till I get, I, I prefer to play with the mainstream GDM stuff. I don't like the, the fringe new stuff. Cause I don't want to like fall in love with something that I can't get readily. Right. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have the budget. I don't have a yeah. budget to get it over here and stuff too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially when you go to these uh, fish factories, the Elite Series. You know, you're gonna <laughs> you get some like little depth plastic that comes three to a bag for ten dollars, yeah. and you start catching thirty fish a day. You're like, man, I'm gonna lose, make, go through my whole five thousand dollar check. Yeah, definitely. But I'm always like, Mister Yuki. I've gotten to be pretty good buds with him, and I'm always poking those guys to see what they got in their tackle box and Ken Iobi and you know stuff like that. Just trying to you know stuff they, they they can teach you a lot and you know Masayuki beat me you know on brush piles throwing throwing some different stuff than what everyone else was throwing and uh so yeah it's it, jdm it, it's cool i'm a tackle junkie at the end of the day yeah. i mean i'm i'm into it i feel like we hit 100 on youtube a couple times we'll celebrate it it's, it's wavering right around there but i'm gonna i'm gonna say we like actually it. did it speaking of biovex oh, i actually yeah. gave away a couple deep runners to a listener or watch nice. it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. I'll tell you what, they got one bait that if you can find them, I'll buy them. That's the Pattis, the Pattis blade bait. To this day, it's my most favorite blade bait I've ever, like an ever in my life. Like a, like a silver just blade bait. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it just outfishes all the rest of them, but they're so hard to find. 
Brent Ames, that's another one I could have thrown in there in that group of three people that, uh, that, uh, no, just, he asked if I have a stage. I got to catch him first to earn a stage name. Yeah. And then we'll see what he comes up with. But, uh, Brent, Brent was, you know, helped me understand river current, um, side imaging. He was one of the first ones that were rocking a side imager back in the day. And the importance of that. Brent and I went all the way down to Lake Falcon, fished offshore. I learned how much I like to do that. You know, then I was just, a, I wanted to flip the trees the whole time. He taught me how to find foundations and stuff offshore. Uh, Brent, another one of those inspirational guys that definitely like i said there's just too many of them to to name what's up dave sindrich another gopher guy yeah says, uh, he's asking if any elite events event? swim baits will play yeah oh for sure for sure Fork? i mean for you know i'm not a big swim bait guy in florida so i'll probably not throw him too much there um but uh you know, I don't know about Sandy Cooper. I've never been. Fork Will, Chickamauga Will. I mean, you're just talking about you know, some big fish factories right there. So, any, 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 pl- here's my deal with swim bait. If you're on a lake where they eat gizzard shad, then you're on to something for sure. Now, I'm not saying that you can't come up to Minnesota and catch them on swim baits because you most definitely can. I mean, 100% you can. But if you're on, if you are at a place like the Tennessee River, where them big fish, not even the big fish, the fish eat gizzard shad. That's what they want to eat. Then you need to have, you need to be always thinking about that because that's what they want to eat at the end of the mm-hmm. day. And just because it's this big, that doesn't really matter. That's irrelevant. The fact that that's what they're eating every day. So you know, Lake Fork, Chickamauga, Pickwick, stuff like that. Yeah, no, you got to have a swim bait on the deck for sure. And I'm not the biggest swim bait guy in the world. You know, I like to drag him around like the, you know, like the old dream smasher and stuff like that. And some of those 316 baits, but the, uh, but yeah. What do you got there? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Bonafisha, thanks for stopping in. Maybe you can be part of the replay Thank gang you. this week. Definitely. Uh, what's your, what's your kicker bait? Oh, uh, well, jig. Jig. A jig jig chatterbait frog those are my three yeah jigger chatterbait yeah I, I wish i like we were just talking about it rich was telling me how many fish he got to catch in tournaments on a frog but i'll tell you what this year i made it a point to keep it on my deck that's something that i hadn't done before and i didn't care if I, you're at smith lake if you're in florida or if you're on a place that's known for it like lacrosse uh a frog would just get you bites and generally they're going to be they're going to be better better size um to have it. And then there's situational times where you just look at something you're like, God, that's, I might not throw a frog all day. It might not even be in my thing, but man, that little pocket, the way it's sitting there with those leaves, it just looks like a spot. If you don't have it, you got to have it. So I'd have to agree those three things. And, and then if it's a spinning rod, it'd be like a Ned rig for sure. Just because a Ned rig is so versatile. Um, but see, I power fish a Ned rig. I don't fish them like, you know, I'm usually got a quarter ounce in my hand. Um, you know, I'm going at, I'm going at those fish. I'm fishing them a lot stronger than the old school Ned Cahey way of fishing a Ned head. Yeah. So I assume you're doing the Lance Camper deal. You and Bree yeah. hitting the road. You traveling with anybody? Oh, yeah. Like you're going to be hanging out with like Carl and BP at the oh, campground? Yeah, or what's... yeah, yeah. yeah def- definitely. I mean, uh, there's no doubt I got a lot of friends that fish the Elite Series. Um, but, me, you know, my team is me, Bree, and Lutzen, um, you know, rolling around in our Lance Camper. We're going to hit the road here after Christmas just start getting some doing some fishing and you know i'm just that type of fisherman i I have to stay fishing every day to stay to stay good 
out on the water. I got to be thinking like them. I, I have to just fish every day. And so that's definitely it. But, you know, I'm sure fighter will come over for a home cooked dinner every, every now and again, he's no stranger to breeze cooking and, you know, of course, Carl and, and stuff like that out there on the road. Um, you can see Gussie a lot more and stuff like that. But yeah, with the Lance camper, we kind of got it good. We're usually right there at the boat ramp a few hundred yards away. So if you catch them, you might, you might get some cameos in the BP video. Yeah, yeah, I gotta catch him though. Everything Maybe, revolves would, around would, catching him. Would, if key. he invited you for cut ice cream and you made the cut, would you join him for some cut ice cream? Well, yeah, of course I would. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. But uh, for sure, that's BP, man. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Braxton? Uh, he says he's fourteen, getting into fishing, right. high school. Uh, well, first of all, kudos to you. You're tuning into the right kind of content. Uh, like this is the stuff you want to watch to get better. So awesome to see definitely. you here. Uh, welcome. Um, but uh, outside of that time on the water like however you can get it whether it's uh riding your bike to a pond go to a creek you know bubbing bugging your uncle or your dad or your friends that got like just get in the boat and go fishing or get on a bank or go to a i mean like go to a pier like go fish after school after baseball before football like just whenever you can get out fishing go fishing whether it's in the bank in a boat in a kayak a floating cooler like however you can get some fishing done Richie said, I mean, Rich said it best. There's no, there's never a replacement for fishing. Uh, I can remember it being in a paddle boat, like a legitimate paddle boat with my bait caster and a, and a spinner bait, you know, out in Annandale and John Lake, my grandparents' place, just trying to get close to the reeds and drop people dropping me off at Lake O'Dowd, walking around, trying to find places to fish. And then YouTube, you know, when you're not out there fishing, that's what I'm doing. I know that's what Rich is doing. You know, I go, I'm trying to learn. And now when me and Rich were 14, we didn't have this, you know, we, we had to take people for the word or what build relationships to learn. And now it's just information highway. You can learn so much so quick. So yeah, exactly. You know, just live and breathe fishing, you know, in between hockey practice, like you said, after school, when you, when you get out there and you can wet a line, that's, that's what it's all about for sure. Uh, Here's here's another tip. So you're going to be high school fishing, which means you're going to be fishing with boat captains. Maybe they're your dad, maybe your uncle, maybe they're other people. Be polite, be respectful, be friends, be get to know these boat captains. These could be the people that are keys to getting you out on the water more. Hundred percent. Good stuff. Uh, and practice casting. Yeah. Practice, I used to when I was your age. When I was that age, I literally I had a hula hoop. I don't know how to hula hoop for nothing. I still couldn't never hula hoop. I can't get it to go three times around, but I'd put it out in the middle of my yard and I'd cast into it and try to hit as many times in a row, just like a basketball player tries to hit jump shot and just try to make that cast. Rich taught me how to skip a jig with a bait caster. I lied my butt off the first time he asked me. He's like, you do it. The, you skip docks. I'm like, this is, this is my, this is how I got brought in to go for rich. You, you skip docks. In a hotel yeah, room in Balsam, you do it with Wisconsin. a bait caster. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, definitely. So I went home and I took a damn, uh, I probably never told you this. I took a gate, like a dog gate or a kid gate. I call them dog gates because I'm not a kid. So a kid, all right, no, I thought you should call it a kid gate. You know what I'm talking about, like a, yeah. a gate. And I put it like this far off the bottom of my linoleum kitchen floor. And I cut a hook off the jig and I just sit there and skip and just sit there and skip and just with a bait caster until I could get that thing to skip under there. 50 times in a row. When I do it 50 times in a row, then I want to do it 60 times in a row. So no, nothing like repetition. But then again, we, we got some, we're, we're kind of got a screw loose up there. We like fishing a lot. 
that yeah like that's that's a big one i didn't think of that like that is something that you can get because a lot of times in these high school tournaments you may or may not get to practice you may not be fishing offshore you might end up going to fish docks going to fish wood going to like Mm -hmm. if you can be more accurate if you can put your bait if you have the casting you're going to beat a lot of people in your age group if you can be good with the the technical part of casting and lure presentation like I said, you can do that in the back. I used to, my, my neighbors mocked me all the time. I'd sit out in the back and just like pitch to stumps and pitch to the corner of the garden and slide my bait under the yep. back of my dad's work truck. Like, and then like inside is actually really good. Eight foot ceiling. <laughs> I know a lot of people think eight foot ceilings, you don't want to do it, but actually, but if you learn to pitch on eight foot ceilings, down, your yeah. technique actually gets way better. You use your wrist and you don't flail your arm. You keep your rod tip low and it's actually a better way to get better technique for pitching and skipping. And in two degree weather, you kind of you don't really have a choice but going and going right. inside to do it. Plus, if you're jumping and you're trying to just get with different people, you got to learn how to make them cast from the back of the boat and stuff like that. I mean, look at like a guy like Corey Brandt. Corey Brandt was just a little bit younger than me, and you, and Ryan, and so he to the start of his career was in the back of the boat all the time, and he would just became an assassin at at casting, you know. And now you look at him now, and the dude's an just a phenomenal fisherman, you know. I mean, just. Casting is a big deal, so definitely it, it takes practice, just like basketball and hockey does. I mean, it just takes work. So, since we're talking docks, besides the obvious jig, docks. I don't even know if I understand this question. To be that like, honest, what, what, with you. I, mean, well, I mean, like, what kind of analytical question is this? Besides a jig, I just skip a jig under there. Yeah. No, I mean, I like tubes. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're right. Right after the spawn, they start getting on that Texas rig real good. Um, you know, I might skip a jig under there. And then a wacky Cinco if you are on one of those type of lakes. Or, you know, if you really want to take it to, like, not necessarily my cup of tea, but, like, spotted bass fisheries and stuff like that. It might be 50 feet under that dock. Little tiny little tiny swim baits, stuff like that. Uh, you know, can get a little sneaky. But I would say a jig is my definitely my first one. And then I guess a wacky Senko would probably be uh would probably be the next one. Yeah. Um, stupid tube, especially if there's any smallies around, is a good one uh, that I like. And then mm-hmm. uh, a Nico is also pretty good. If you uh, I light Nico, you can't do a heavy Nico, like a really light Nico. But and then uh, yeah, Nico wacky. Yeah, I would kind of clump those together. You're right. The weightless sure. ring cry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just whether they want it falling yeah. down to the bottom or whether you need that slow fall to get them to come at it. But I, I'm definitely going to want to put the jig there because I'm more accurate putting it where I want to put it. And then I can give them the onions and get them out of there with the bait yeah. caster and crank them out of there. For sure. I'm always going to try to feed them the jig unless I can't. And if they won't eat the jig, then I'll try that other stuff. This is a good question. I thought the same thing. I, I haven't done it a lot. Have you had any luck? leveraging the speed worm up north oh no no i'm actually a speed worm fisherman I'm, i i i did tune into the part when you and seth were talking about it uh in florida here's my thing with the speed worm it, it's deadly in places like you when i took fifth on kissimmee i was throwing a speed worm for the most part at those uh you know isolated pad stems and stuff like that but i i just tend to, I, i've caught one bass in minnesota off of a speed worm it was a mag speed worm on minnetonka in the spring uh i thought i had something going there and, and, and never really panned out again <laughs> I, I think you got two things in florida you got snakes 
and you have needlefish. That that's kind of a big one. The needlefish is a big deal in Florida. They like to eat those, and they're about yay long. And the way their tail moves is just kind of like a little, like their body doesn't move, just that tail kind of moves them along. And and I think that's it. Just that it tends to. I find that the speedworm plays in areas that have snakes and that have definitely that needlefish. I don't tend to do well anywhere else. Because like Gunnersville, the speedworm was pretty good when I was there. But you also have shad. You've got eels. So right. maybe the Mississippi River would be a good place to play around with the speedworm. Yeah, good. And see, that's another thing. The way you can fish a speedworm, right? You can fish it through that thick hydrilla that Gunnersville has. It's it's not quite a trap. You know, it's it's more subtle than a trap and a chatterbait. But you can you can snake it through and kind of pull it off the clumps if they're not really in a super aggressive mood, then they'll eat it. And and I, I think that I have caught some on Gunnersville on it. But it seems like I go down to Florida with a whole bunch of them and then I put them away. Yeah. But like I remember I come back from Gunnersville thinking like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this speed worm around and throw that instead because like we catch my yeah. ten inch power worms and I was like, Well, I'm gonna catch my like, speed worm and I just caught like one two and they weren't even big yeah, ones. I was like, this is yeah i'm sure there's somebody that catches them that figures something out you know like like when i did it on Tahoe, i was more flipping it than i was actually i was flipping yeah. a magnum speed worm not necessarily swimming it but you know what i would do is i'd throw it way past the pads and actually reel it on top mm-hmm. of the water so like and i knew okay. they'd be spawning in those pads and then just kill it and then you know they're going to eat something like that you kind of get a prop bait vibe with it and then you give them a bait that they naturally like but uh, no, I, I don't have a ton of success with it. You're just so swimmy. Same thing on like Gunnersville. They that shallow penny wart looking whatever that stuff is, and they they were throwing that too. What's yeah. up, Frank Junior? Uh, in your rig, I think it's a gimmick. I've never played with it. I have no intention to use it. <laughs> it's that one where the, the worm is like, and it like keeps coming up. Springs. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. It looks like a walleye to you though. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's like you catch a you catch one fish on it, and then the, we broke in, and then you'd have to like I don't know. One of those things, exactly. I won't be the one to win a tournament on it, or at least not the first one. But once I start yeah. seeing that guys are, then I guess I'll, I'll have to get there. I feel like it's the kind of thing you'd have to rig up like ten of them the night before or something like. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. Awesome, Braxton. Keep it up. You're on the right. Braxton, track. that's good stuff, man. Definitely. Learning to skip track one goal for twenty twenty two. That's a big one. Just casting in general, whatever it is, hit hitting whatever target and being able to land it quietly into an area uh, naturally is a big deal. Most people don't. I, I think I've fished enough in the country. Like Minnesota dock chains are probably the like other parts of the country don't have dock chains like we do. No, but they got like, cables though. Yeah, you got long cables, different. and cables are bad. Once you're on it, you ain't getting off it. No, yeah, because most of our chains are shallow, so you can go in there and like, yeah, but the work, in it's there like, poking. How many times you got the, the you know that classic front Minnesota dock, right, with the wheels, the two posts, and then the crossing chains, and you can pitch oh, to yeah. the left of the chain, to the right of the chain, and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna send one in the middle, thunk, and then you're like, thunk, yeah, I like, know, oh. that's crazy, that's crazy, <laughs> like, yeah, there he is. You know, one thing about the Nico rig, though, I, I, I for the longest time, 
didn't like any kind of like the weed keep or the weed guards or whatever. I was like, mm-hmm. that actually keeps it off there a good bit. Like usually you can hit it and then you yeah. kind of hit your rod and it'll just bounce back off as, as subtle as that thing is. But uh, know, that, that's just something when you, when you're flip, when you're skipping Nico rigs and wacky worms under docks, you just got to be prepared to break them off. And, and a off. lot has to do with, you can do a lot with the way you rig your Nico. I don't know if I have a Nico hook handy, but so here's a Senko or a dinger or whatever, but like the way you rig it perpendicular or horizontal or hook up or hook down and the way the worm can shield and block. So just think about what cover you're fishing and the way you've got your hook positioned up or down. And when you're pulling it, how it's going to come through. Cause you can adjust that for the cover. So just be cognizant of that. Yes. Skipping frogs is awesome. Yeah. Ron, that's a good answer. Love it. Uh, you're an FG guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely FG nut. Have you done the big metal on ledges? Spoons? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Again, they, they eat gizzard chat. They're, they're used to eating big baits. And then, and then what you have is you have pressure on those ledges. So um, seeing them, finding them with your electronics, you can, oh, man, all of a sudden you find them. And you're like, wow, okay, that's a ledge spot. I got it. Okay, that's a lot of fish. But then you go and start fishing it. And those fish get fished for, and until the water gets just right, you know, with all that, there's going to be a feeding window. You just have to be there when that feeding window happens. With something like a big spoon or a big blade bait, uh, you can make them bite that a lot of times because you can throw it into the school, and that fast fall just is more of a reaction bite for them and gets one to to latch onto it, and then hopefully you fire up the school that way. But, yeah, def- definitely big big yeah, metal work right in minnesota that i could never catch him on <laughs> yeah no i don't think you catch I think, I think, I think Chad, dad, man. yeah you can catch him on the river i think uh at times like in the like when they start to group up her wintering and stuff but mm-hmm. um dan says it's the iron hammered spoon or something nobody throws it in real life i'm pretty sure matt stefan's already made the inner rig video um bass pundit he says what do you guys do to stay hydrated during a hot tournament day I just drink a lot of water. I keep a lot of water. Are you, are you I'm like not a, like fighter? I definitely have ice in my cooler. a big jug, or do you like have a bunch of waters? Or uh, like, yeah, I just fill it up full. I fill up, keep a bunch of bottled waters in there. And if it's like one of those that's like a real, real burner down there, I'll get like the PD light packets and just fill a few of those up in the morning, and then just throw them in with my ice because I definitely. Definitely helps. But a big trick to that too is if you're if you're fishing those ninety hundred degree tournaments that we just have, um, especially you know towards the fall and stuff in the in the dirty south down there, it's big deal to like slam a couple pediolites before you go to bed. I know you don't want it because you have to get up and pee in the middle of the night, but that's when your body kind of like rehydrates itself and can actually hold it in because so much of it, you know, out there your body's just sweating it right back out. So. Yeah, is is important. You know, I, I used to be the guy drank a lot of energy drinks and all that, but I'm trying trying not to try to drink a lot more water and stuff like that yeah. when you're out there. And you, I mean, you got to. But the PD, those little Pedialyte Pedialytes are they work pretty dang good. They, yeah, I can definitely I, uh, feel it. Yeah, I try to. Uh, I usually keep like one little mini Red Bull in there as like break yeah. the glass oh, or anything, but I don't. I don't like lean right, on them. Yeah. Right, like a lot of times I save them for the. The, the, the late night driveway home type thing. exactly <laughs> but i always uh, have a mountain dew i was at mountain dew in case i gotta save a fish's life or something like that yeah. and then depending on my days going i might crack that mountain dew at some point but 
but yeah, I think I mean some like my buddy Michael Fishtermans, he's he's big on like just having that gallon jug, keeps it by his feet and just takes yeah. pulls off it all day. So whatever works for you. Um I, I think covering up the long sleeve hoodies help a ton. Yeah. I know it seems inter- but that's and then just picking colors. Like I'm like you see me almost always wearing that like silverish light gray color. Like it reflects, like it keeps yep. the heat off you. Um other than that, yeah, like I think like not, st- I mean, like if you need a coffee or a do in the morning to get started, but also like before you get up, before it gets 90, drink water, Chug drink, water. Yeah. you know, a vitamin, whatever you, I mean, if it needs to be flavored, you throw some packets or get a, a low calorie sports drink, whatever you got to do, but like get ahead of it. Don't wait till you're like dying to start drinking water or whatever. Yeah, And if it's practice or something and the conditions are safe, a quick dip jumping in the water real quick to cool down but yeah, i'm with you the i used to be a guy i thought you know the long sleeve shirts and stuff why would i want to do all that the buff that just makes me hotter now heck no like i live in that stuff and it actually does it keeps you cool you know you got your hood up you got your buff up you got you're protecting your your skin doesn't doesn't feel the heat nearly as bad if you definitely stay on there that's a good question though people need to uh yeah, pay attention like, to like in tournament you don't want to jump in or anything but like take your hat or visor and like dunk it in the yeah water that's and a big back one on yeah. your head or like yeah. dip your buff and yeah. like pull that back over your head like that'll cool you down in a hurry um, especially if you're getting to that point where you're like man i'm not feeling well like that's a good way to like just like oh yeah no then you need to do um, something yeah um brand tubes for rigging i don't know that's much is the brand tube i mean i like the get bit baits and a few others yeah, I'm gonna get bit um, bait too, guy myself. If I know I'm gonna use them, I pre-rig them. I'll pre-rig a whole bag of tubes the night before, so I'll retie, but I'm not rigging a lot on the water. So Definitely. I'm a get bit guy too. That's my favorite tube. I, I think like the most durable tubes aren't the ones that are the best to get bit on. So I think it's more about pre-rigging. No, right. Know that there's a, uh. Favorite new model NRX Plus. Hmm. Favorite new model. Um, I kind of like the little one power Ned rig rod. I've been using it for a hair jig rod. I kind of like that it's a little bit shorter. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in that Ozark area of the country that really like that really light Ned rig, 16th ounce, smaller Ned rig and stuff, and really like that rod. Me in particular and how I fish a Ned Rig, uh, you know, to me, a Ned Rig is just a tube. It's just I have more control over where the tube goes. It's not like a fumbled football and it falls. So um, I, I like that one. I really like throwing a hair jig on it. Um, it it's good for that. Um, I like the chatterbait rod. I'm actually pretty convinced I'm going to be flipping milfoil and stuff with that a lot too, uh, which makes sense because that chatterbait rod, um, you know, it's just a bladed a jig with a blade, like we said earlier. And and I like that size, um, you know, seven three, seven four, that in between that seven and a half and seven foot size. I've been really kind of digging, digging those sizes. And then the MBR rods are really nice. They have they're not quite the extra fast; they're more of a fast action, um, old school style. That Mag Bass rod series coming out in the, that new NRX blank. Those are really awesome. So you're you know you're nine oh four, nine oh three, and now I've been jerk baiting with like the eight. 42 so that would be like seven six medium heavy seven six heavy and then a seven foot medium has been my new jerkbait rod i've been loving that rod um a lot too so 
those have been my favorite. And then the rest of them are just he put new in big letters. So I think that's what he that was his question is more about the new the new series. But then again, a lot of my favorite rods in that NRX line, like that eight seventy two spinning rod and the eight seventy three casting rod, you know, they brought those into the NRX plus rod. So uh, tried tried true staples. But yeah, I, I like that little Ned Rig rod has been kind of kind of nice in my hand. I like it. A little more accurate with where I cast it. Yeah, cool. JJ says the Yeti type or whatever, a straw, you can, when you're blowing down the lake. Hmm. It says it doesn't get all over. I thought JJ liked it when it went all over his face, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, Shout out to Justin Kahn, you new uh, Team Hella member on the channel. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. I got something I've been, uh, let's let's see if this works. (laughs) (laughs) One of us, one of us. What's up, Justin? Um, actually, I need to take. Okay, we gotta get the Christmas lights back on. All right. Uh, yeah, PD lighted man. I'm with that. Favorite lake to fish and favorite time of the year to fish it. Ah, uh, uh, Kissimmee in February. I just like that lake. I like that there's not, it's not very manicured. It's pretty jungly. Uh, there's not really no houses or nothing you on it. a little bushier? Um, Got it. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just, you know, just, I don't know. And, and Kissimmee's just so old school with going way back to us up here in Minnesota, frozen in the winter, watching people fish down there. So Kissimmee, I would say Kissimmee in like February. And then, um, you know, Malax is obviously one of my favorites. Uh, but at the same time, I'd probably say if I had to fish one small factory, it'd be the St. Lawrence or Lake Ontario. Just because when you have a great lake, you know, we're still landlocked, great lakes, you just never really know. There's fish that still haven't seen baits that show up there. And what I like about there is you have, I, I prefer to fish the lake uh, over the river, personally. Um, but you have the both. So if you have a blow day, like if I have a blow day, I'm relaxed. I'm, you know, in a sense can be screwed if it's blowing 30 miles an hour out there where up there you can go into the river and absolutely crack them with a, with a big, so catch a 25 pound bag. So I, I'd have to say, you know, last year was my first time at the St. Lawrence. I kind of fell in love with that, with that area. Um, so those two, those two would be my, my large mouth lake would be probably Kissimmee, St. Lawrence, St. St. Clair is pretty, pretty awesome. I don't know. It's hard question. Uh, yeah, John. So if the fish is bleeding, you can take a citrus bake so like a seven up or a sprite or a mountain dew and pour it down their throat and it stops the bleeding. But some people also say just getting them in the water works just as well. Um and like I don't know, you hear like uh Gene Gillian when he comes on Fast Talk Live, he says that they like, really don't understand what the long term effects. So there's some debate on whether that's really the best method, but it does seem to stop the bleeding quick, but whether it's good for the fish long term or not. I don't know. So uh, I'll tell you this. This is my way of thinking about that. Is I have caught, especially smallmouth, when they're hooked wrong, you have a very short window to save that fish's life. And you can tell me you put it back in the. I just think that makes the angler feel better that the fish swam away. Um, because I watch how fast that they will die in the live well if you put them in there and they're still bleeding. So if I can make them stop bleeding, like the citric acid and the Mountain Dew will do. The one thing I like, though, is the caffeine in the Mountain Dew. And you're talking about an animal that's never had caffeine a day in its life. So I think it just gives them a little bit of a jolt of life and kind of keeps them, keeps them going. But there's many, many, many bass that I've caught in the morning that were 
tongue hooked or had a bad bad hook in, in there or you caught a gill on the way out or something and it's just bleeding like a stuck pig and you can it works like great you dump the mountain dew down its throat wait rinse them off and then you'll just see it kind of coagulate and go away put them in the live well get the oxygen flowing and they're real good and he's lively as heck nine hours later so i'm not convinced the long-term effects of it mm-hmm. is going to hurt them too much. I'm very convinced if you let that fish go, unless the water's really cold, I'm pretty sure that that fish will probably die if he's bleeding that that bad because they go they go pretty quick. Yeah, it seems like some of the live well additi- additives help as well. Like work got- too. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Mountain Dew is just sold. So the reason why I like Mountain Dew is because if I don't need it, I can. Then you get whatever the fish doesn't drink, you get to finish, right? So exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's some days you're just having a bad day. It's two o'clock. You got an hour to go, and you're like. Damn that I'm drinking the same Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's like yeah. the old commercial: like crack a Mountain Dew, drink a few sips, crack a five pounder. I'm sure Red Bull would work, but yeah, you might put a hole in your live bow when you drop them in there, bouncing off uh, the wall. Yeah, I don't know. You gotta. To me, chatterbaits are like I got like green pumpkin, black and blue, and it's like a chartreuse white. Like those are my like main. Yeah. Dabble with the the colors a little bit. Like sometimes I'll do like a. Forget what this one was kind of a green pumpkin shad. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's it's it's pretty basic stuff. I don't think you'd like I don't think you need to get super crazy. You get like a bluegill color, a shad color, and a black blue, right? Like that's all a guy really needs, I think. Yeah. I uh, keep it pretty simple. I had green pumpkin, white, white or chartreuse, and yeah, black or blue. Still rocking the Phoenix yeah. Mercury, right? Phoenix Mercury, same. Which Phoenix are you running this year? Uh, same boat as I did last year, or same model I did. I'm actually right now. I'm leaving with my boat from last year. It's been sold since like March, uh, but, but everything's moving a little, little bit slow. I'm hoping my engine, everything should, everything's supposed to come in with ample time for me to get back home and grab that boat. Uh, Steve up at Warner Dock will make sure work around the clock to make sure it's ready to go, get it wrapped, and get back down there. But you know, if it starts pushing, I've never had a boat fully you know ready to go for as big of a season i'd rather rock mine with 500 hours on it than uh, than not have any time to make sure that there's no kinks or nothing that i need to work out uh in the new boat so if, if i have ample time i'll get back but yeah it's a phoenix you know uh, 921 uh phx 21 foot phx it's just the best big water boat out there as far as big waves and stuff like that go and for me, I like to do a lot of guiding. So usually I got two full grown men with me out there. So the space, the space is real nice. It's like butter on top of the water and you can hold a lot of stuff. And it's the same, same boat. Won't look, won't look a whole heck of a lot different. I think I went back to 10 foot power poles. So just nice. for Florida. So they Florida in the river. So I'll stick wherever I want to stick. What's up, Gramps? What's up, Bailey? Yeah, heck yeah. Tim? Good to see ya. Uh, yeah, do you, have you done the pool noodles where you cut them up? No, I played around I've with seen guys bit. that do it. Uh, and I did. It I don't last. have fish die. It doesn't happen to me much. They don't die on me much. Yeah, the only time I, I used I, it was on uh, not la- not this year, but the year before when I was on leech, running back and forth. Way, yeah. The big water. Yeah. Um, to me, it's. It does two things. The main reason I think people do it is to keep the fish from hitting the lids in rough water. And mine are padded. Water. Phoenix ones are padded already on top. So 
I think it helps. I think a person probably should. I'm, anything you can do to make those fish healthier, you should probably do it. And I don't see that hurting none at all. Yeah. And I think if anything, it would keep the water a touch cooler, potentially just a little insulation. Yeah. Yep. Um, but like for me, like I, I think I had them and then I would throw them in like the bilge area and then I would only throw them in the live when I thought I would need them. I didn't keep them in there all the time. Yeah, I'm big and I'd leave my pumps on and I'm always pulling in new fresh water. That's a big deal for me. I just, I just always keep both of them on. It's how I've always done it. And I've just never really had, unless, like I said, unless I hooked one bad enough that I knew I wanted to keep that fish because I, you know, his weight was there, but he's probably going to die type deal. Uh, I really haven't had too many knock on wood. I don't even want to talk about all that kind of stuff, but yeah, that, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of deal. But I, I can't see any problem with putting that kind of stuff in. I'd rather you do stuff than, like that than, you know, get too crazy with other stuff. Maybe we could get, like, each pool noodle with, like, a sponsor logo on it. And then when you open the live well, then you'd have, like, extra branding Smart. real estate. Smart. Why don't you give me some Hella Bass ones made up? Uh, you, I think you'd probably play around the, the dyes a little bit, right? You you're, you dab some yeah. chartreuse here and there. and yeah. I'm do you play with sense at all? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Anything I, really I like can do to... It's something I play around with when I feel like the bite slows and I'm like just kind of like trying to like scratch out a little something. But Yeah, I've, I've messed with it. You know, a lot of times just to get my, you know, it usually starts like I'm sitting there and the music's on at the tournament and I'm ready. You know, I don't practice. I generally don't. But then, yeah. you know, come time for the tournament, I'm sitting there and like rubbing a little, rubbing a stick on or spraying something like that. But, you know, if they're on bluegills, and stuff you you can try to add that orange dye and they chartreuse dye that, that kind of stuff. it's gonna be a pretty dang big deal actually when, when it's going but uh yeah whatever i gotta do you're not doing any are you doing any opens this year you're just focusing on the elites right i'm not this year no 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 i'll be down there messing around on Kissimmee until they start practicing and then i'll hopefully i'm out of there to go get my boat so um what do you what do you ask what bait sticks back what was it Oh, well, I didn't miss that part. Oh, sorry, Ray. Oh, I thought he asked uh, Yeah, what oh, baits? Yeah. So maybe he's fishing as a co. So maybe he's asking. Uh, yeah. Besides a Junebug uh, trickworm. <laughs> yeah, if you're on the back of the boat as a co angler, you know Florida is one of the one of the few places in the country that a pro can back can't back boat you. It's going to be pretty hard unless he's, you know, sitting on bed fish. And even if if he is, they're still or he she I shouldn't just say he, but if, if they are, if your pro is. Uh, you know, a speed worm is going to be a big one. You, they can't protect water. You can just chuck it around. You can fish it slow, drag it around. Um, that can be sometimes a pro's worst nightmare when somebody's doing that. Just a simple trick worm or here, here's a really good one, a June bug fluke. If you put a June bug fluke on a bait caster and cast that thing a long way, you're going to catch fish uh, behind them, you know. But just the biggest thing is as a co-angler is, you know, I was fortunate enough to have Chad Smith travel around with me for a long time before he jumped into the front of the boat um don't do you don't necessarily need to do what the pro's doing you know you got to give him the respect that he's probably cleaning up most of what's in front of you getting the best shots at stuff do it a little bit differently you only need to catch three you don't need to have five in the opens uh you know so I, i'd throw you know a cinco cinco is going to be deadly um any any of that kind of stuff a horny toad something that you can throw and that you're not going to get hung up a lot and you're going to be able to pull away fish from stuff that 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 anglers that your pro is not fishing yeah i think the 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 the, 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 the uh the big easies the uh skinny dippers like having one of those one of those yeah. swim baits in the code Good like especially if he's like flipping right and he's like you can like like have a bait that you can like cover water yeah. with and reach out 
Um, and if he's fishing offshore, maybe like a lipless or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Lipless, but a lot of that type of stuff, you know, you're going to get hung a lot and he's not going to, yeah, just keep saying that, but they're not going to want to go and get, go get the bait. So even chatter baits get hung up on like lily pad stems and stuff. And now you got a $15 jackhammer out there and, you know, they're just going to keep going type of stuff. Trying, just trying to slip around stuff that you can just kind of, you know, here, here's one. This is a really good one. Actually, if you take a, take straight braid, like 50 pound braid, uh, uh, like a skinny dipper, you know, that's a big one or action invasion, skinny dipper, or even, you know, any of those XL swimmer, whatever you want, whatever yeah. your famous swim bait is and put like a four aught hook into it, four aught wide gap hook and just peg like an eighth ounce weight on front of it. And you're going to be able to throw that so far and just reel it across the lily pads and stuff. And anytime you come to a hole, let it fall in that hole and you will outfish your pro most likely uh, just because you're going to pick off bass that they're just strictly not fishing for. You know, they're not looking for that one. You're versatile. You're not getting hung up. You can wheel it on top. You can swim it on the bottom. You come off something. You can throw it over. Like you can just, yeah. 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 You can slow it down and fish like a swim jig. Um, or an outcast tackle, perfect net head. I mean, yeah. we know that those will catch them. <laughs> uh shields are all over aren't they i kind of they're they're up north definitely they're out west big time and you know there's one store when we're talking south you got some in illinois you got one in kansas city ish area overland park and then a massive one that went up in dallas texas um so they're they're expanding but they're you know started up north and that's definitely where their roots are that's right, Grams. We got Seth to, to, to knock the duck hunting rust off before he we went on Bass U this week. <laughs> uh, non-fishing stuff on the Christmas list. Uh, nope. Socks? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, socks and underwear are actually yeah. on my on my list. So, fishing stuff's actually the last thing that I really need for yeah for anything for Christmas. I, mean, but, I always uh, tell my wife she wants like just get me an Omnia or a Shields or. A, you know, so like that kind of gift card or something, and I'll just buy myself something. But my mom's always good for like safety thing, life jackets, you know, things that'll things that'll save me out on the water. She's uh she's always good at that. Uh, did you get that deer score? Did you shot? Yeah, one forty four and six eighths. It's a nice eight point Iowa eight pointer. The weather actually wasn't going to be that good. It's supposed to be seventy. Like that morning was a big deal, and I. I don't think he made it 10 minutes into opening morning. Two does walked out, and then he walked out. So it's a nice one. Yeah, Rich is definitely – Rich doesn't wear visors. He wears modified hats. That's right. Let's get it right. I've never actually seen him wear a visor. I've seen him wear modified hats. Actually, actually this one I wore one time right here. Because I fished Lake Amistad as a co-angler, and I had to have the bass shield, so I bought a visor. With oh, that was shield. way back, though. That one. Uh, this is the year that Remitz won Amistad. Yeah, that was like the initial Elite Series season. Or like the close first to or it. second season. Yeah, yeah, it's close to it. Yeah, uh, pork Uncle Josh, I ran out, man. Did they make it again? They're back. <laughs> they make them again. I heard they're, they're like, back. Ten dollars for a jar, and there's like three of them in there, or something like that. It's nuts. Yeah, I used to. I used to. My grandpa, my grandpa, step grandpa, um, Lake John in Annandale. He was always 
walleye crappie fisherman, but his neighbor was from Alabama or something and like with summer there. And he was a bass fisherman and he got him into like an old school bait, a Shannon twin spin. It was like buck hair with a, my grandpa had a ton of them. And he put uncle park on the back of that thing. And I caught the crap out of him. I think the last I'm sure time Matt really, probably makes something like it now. The thing that the last time I really caught him on pork was your, I believe your first state tournament. It was Leach your first state tournament. Yeah, I remember that. We were all on that. That was the first deal. time I caught, like, the That's last right. time I remember catching him good on pork, but I have flipped that jig all day. And the reason I went with pork is because it was, I didn't have to, like, put one pork on all day, and I never fixed a trailer, and I just kept my jig, my bug wet all day, and just got more presentations in. And that was the only thing. You might have picked up a frog every now and then, but you're flipping no, the was jig. A, remember, it was like, in practice, they were on it, but we got that cold front. Yeah, no, that's right. Show. It was a flipping deal. Yeah. Yeah. He had like a few minutes the first like hour as that front was actually there, Nick Gross crushed him on a frog the first day right away in the morning. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That front was just hanging on and then all of a sudden it got cold. Yeah. But I started in the reeds, so I missed that bite. So I was flipping the whole time. Uh, I had one of the most miserable rides back as a co angler in that tournament in like a little 17 foot boat. And thought if I no one I made it through that, I thought I was gonna be peeing blood for a week. That was rough trying to get back from Boy Bay big waves and like a 17 foot boat it was that tuned me up pretty quick to bass fishing you got that you got a favorite frog uh, yeah you know you a spro i still have lots of spros but you know who makes really good frogs is mollix um hmm. they got a little popping frog i think is just nasty it, it walks really hard um and then you know carl jockinson's got that one that he made for them it's got the, t- the two kicking legs on the back and that thing's that thing's vicious too. It skips really good, and you keep it in one place, and still kind of get that thing. I think mollusks is really uh, frogs are. If you don't know about them, they're definitely very underrated for sure. Yeah, I still got some. I still rock the Mad Maxes. I still got a few. Yeah, the Gen I used two to be into the sumo. frogs are good. You remember that sumo frog? That used to be my jam. I loved the sumo yeah. frog, but finally, on my rubber on the legs, like stuck together and stuff and I think you can I'm easily reskirt those that's easy i know i know i reskirted this swamp donkey gave it a custom uh yeah, brown and blue beauty. living rubber tail on it actually this is the, you know what this is this is that round hydro silk <laughs> i still got i i got that that scrap will wither away in my closet i got so much of it mm. between me you and ryan brand i guarantee you we have there, there's something to it though why don't you bring it back? Put it on some of your jigs. Bring it back. Ooh. Think about it. Fishing anything back home? Fishing the Sturgeon Bay? Anything not elite series? I don't know. You know, I have a little time. I'm I, one thing I love about the elites. It's a nine nine uh, tournament schedule. So essentially, I look at it like coming from the FLW. That was six. So in two years, I'm going to be able to fish three FLW seasons. Essentially. Um, you know, I get 18 tournaments over two years, but they spread them out a lot. Um, I haven't looked at too many. I, I kind of started poking around some. I mean, of course, if there's something on Mille Lacs and I'm not guiding or something for it, I'm, I'm going to show up and, and fish it. I'd love to get back into a couple Denny's. But big time, uh, you know, some team tournaments, if they come along, anytime I can get in the boat with one of my buds and have a, have a fun old-fashioned team tournament, they're just as stressful as big tournaments too. I mean, you know what I mean? You just always want to catch them, but. If Lutzen didn't get a damn pheasant this year, that's because his dad didn't take him hunting. <laughs> he got grouse. He got. He did get grouse. He 
he got grouse. Me and his, me and Andy Young went out a couple times and definitely killed some grouse. He got a raccoon the other day. That was like the worst fight I ever heard in my entire life. He was underneath the building I'm sitting in right now. It was like a 15, 20 pound raccoon, Lutzen one. Uh, there you go. Came out unscathed, but the raccoon didn't. It was uh, pretty, pretty damn crazy. Those blue healers are uh, switched on big time. So Jacob says you can uh, find uh-huh. yourself some pork frogs over at Omnia, and they're right. I went to the my favorite page, the new bait section. Also, I had, I was just gonna say like I had to lean on Jacob. Sorry, bud. I had to lean on Jacob out on the water not too long ago to get my own damn bait. So I didn't even have Adam. I had to lean on him out there. He was out there fishing, kicking our butts. Yeah, otherwise, that, that's they, got, they got they got a bunch of depths in. So for you guys that like that JDM stuff, uh, they got a bunch of depths. They got slide swimmers. They got jackal rhythms. Uh, those things that look like poop. I don't know why you want those, but I guess they're hot. The cover scat. Um, so, and I'm pretty sure this code on the bottom of the screen works for almost all that stuff. So just saying bull shooter. Is it uncle Josh that's making the park again? Like did somebody buy the Uncle Josh pork frog green spot? Get you some of that right there. Yeah, that's my jam right there. Put that on the back of a white uh, spoon. Little crowded brown. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Who does that remind you of? Uh, Fairbanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you catch him on, John? Black Jake and black. Same thing every day. If he caught him, that's what he caught him on. Yeah. He's like, oh, Josh, uh, Fairbanks brought in 18 pounds. I guess the jig bite was on today. Yeah. <laughs> we missed that one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He didn't always yeah, catch him, but when he did, he put a whooping on us. That's for yeah. dang sure. Thanks, Leo. Catch you later. Uh, Thanks, man. Appreciate it. What is your favorite all chartreuse spinnerbait? I feel like that's a Malax question. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I do catch them out there a lot, but it's more of like a St. Clair, the New York lakes, where they got some shad and stuff like that. Uh, Bassman spinnerbait, man. They make the best spinnerbait out there. They just, they do. That's all they do is make spinnerbaits, and they're really, really good at them. Um, I know you can get them at Omnia. I think that's I think that's maybe one of the few places you can get them because they're made in Australia. They're all handmade by great great people. Carl got a lot of us onto that uh, spinnerbait a long time ago. So um, definitely one. But the key with the chartreuse spinnerbait is you want like a half ounce or even a three quarter ounce body with like three eighths ounce sized willows, whatever size that would be on like a three eighths, so you can burn it. You want to move it really fast. Don't let them look at it. Uh, I think that's because they've gotten the pork so expensive. Like, it's just the cost of materials is what I've heard. Um, no ice in North Carolina. So when do you, when do you uh, right after Christmas, you heading to Florida or? Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll stop in like Chattanooga for a little bit, some wild stomping grounds, see some buddies and stuff down in that area, Knoxville area. Um, Generally, I'd like to do that and then break in a new engine. So, but now, you know, my engine's more than broken. So I'm just going to kind of sneak through and try to go just do some fun fishing a little bit. You know, it was kind of, I qualified for the elites. I was ready for a break. Then I qualified for the elites. And the last thing I wanted was a break. I wanted to just keep fishing. And then I came home and guided 
heavy for like three weeks, a month, and then everything kind of froze up. So I'm just chomping at the bit to get out there and kind of do my thing and, you know, go to headwaters and hit some of those holes down there in, in Florida and just have some fun fishing, just try to catch a 10 pounder or something. All right. Well, let's probably talk about the most important thing we're going to talk about tonight. You feel slighted based on our wing conversation last week. Yeah, you guys ain't beat me in a wing. Dude, I'm a wing eating champion and I'm fast. Too. So are, are do you like do you clean your wings or you just like take the big chunks and leave like are you like no, do you I clean, clean the bones? Like, I can like grab it at this and just until that thing's gone and it's just bone oh. left there. Challenge I think I'm even eating a little bit I think I'm even putting down the cartilage. You know what I mean? It's just me and the chicken wing. I have no problem with chicken wing. I got the flats worked out too. That's just a you gotta break the thing like that and then those are done. And then the big guy just gotta there's nothing pretty about eating a chicken wing. You know, if you watch you watch a man eat a chicken wing, it'll disgust you. So that's why you just gotta have your own thing of chicken wings and go down. But I'll definitely probably make the best chicken wings, but uh there ain't no way a fighter beat me. I'll tell you that. And that dude puts them down. Like I've seen him take down like 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 he goes to McDonald's and he, he gets a hefty bag of some stuff and puts them down. You know what I mean? But it's because I don't think he – I think he's drinking Mountain Dew all day. And then all of a sudden had to take in his calories real quick. But it'd be, it'd be a fair competition. I'm telling you that. I, right. He isn't going to whoop me. I feel like, like we, need a, we, need, we need a live stream where we eat chicken wings coming up this, like – Yeah, we're going to make everybody Maybe, like, during cute. the ICAP break, we're going to have, like, a chicken wing eating contest live on the air. Yeah. That, that, well, I mean, that's not, not – there's worse challenges. To get involved yeah, in. let me know in the comments if you guys would want to watch yeah. a two or three person face off eating wings like we'd mix in some fishing talk but there would be like a dedicated like 15 minute segment of people just like literally just cleaning bones <laughs> putting them down like a one minute how many chicken wings can you put down in a minute or two minutes or something like that i remember like one of my previous co-workers she commented like she was like she's like I- i've never seen anybody clean a bone so like seamlessly and like she just like stared at me like and i was like like during a conference like and we were eating like wings and she was like uh so there you go oh, yeah brie right. takes like the like the meat bite and yeah. then and then like there's just basically like, the chicken wings done i watch exactly. my kids and i'm like do i go eat the rest of their chicken wing or do i just throw it <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> i know i know and i love chicken wings all right People are on it. Everybody's excited. Dave doesn't want to see it, but most people do. Dave's a smart man. Yeah. We can give away some stuff. Speaking of giveaways, I don't want to forget about this. Uh, so, not going to see it today, but we got this little thing. I'm guessing this will be a Monday video doing a little collab with Debo. And uh, so, I'll probably do like an opening bid on monday and then we're gonna this is all stuff that debo sent me i haven't looked at it yet and then uh gonna open probably give it away next wednesday and then i got this so mike dove who was watching a stream or two ago sent this box from thunderhawk lures so this is probably getting open next week and then giving away at least half of it so if you guys want some tackle, like if, if you don't get what you want for Christmas next week, tune in next week because some of this stuff is given away. And I don't know what's in it, but it's pretty dang heavy. It's not like it's not full of like airbags and packing peanuts. I'll tell you that right now. So um, 
So that that's coming up. Speaking of giveaways, uh, Jacob wants to know: Are you looking forward to being on fantasy fishing rosters this season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah, I'm on the Elite Series fantasy deal. Of course, I am. Hopefully, I'm only a bargain for a little while. So, nice. get on it. Yeah, I, on that, it. I think uh, it opens on St. John's, right? And then it's Harris after that. Yep. I mean, I think you'll be a decent value on St. John's, but I think because you're coming in as an open angler, I expect yeah. like that Harris chain is probably going to be a, a a good value pick for Josh. I would think he'll, he'll probably be on my pundit article uh, for that one. I'm pretty excited for it. I'll tell you that. Have you have you ever seen? There's a YouTube show called Hot Ones. No. So there's a, a like the channel's called uh, Before We Feast or As We Feast or something like that, but they have like a couple different like genres of shows. But one of them is called Hot Ones, and it's been on forever, and it gets like millions of views per channel. But like they have celebrities on, and they have like a ten wing gauntlet where it starts with like sriracha. And ends at oh, like, yeah, yeah. like oh, uh, okay. double Diablo, going. Ghost Pepper, yeah. like two million yeah, Scoville. Yeah. Yeah. And like they ask him, like, I was like, man, that like that would be kind of fun to do like a inner, like we have like a preset question, and like there's like a hard hitting question for every wing, and then like the the level of the question step up as the heat steps up. We'd be ripping them off. Well I think it would be fun. I love hot food, like hotter the better. So I like hot food. My body has started to reject hot food. Well, yeah, we had this conversation coming yeah. back from that same tournament. Remember, we got Thai. We got Thai <laughs> restaurant. Mine was blistering. Yeah. We talked I about need it. To, I have to it's avoid good going down, not necessarily, I mean, com- like, not necessarily coming out. <laughs> I need a full recovery day if I'm going to eat hot food. I can't sure. do it on tournament night, that's for sure. No, yeah, I hear you. No, some people are saying great show. Yeah, it's funny because, like, actually, so do you know who Gary V is? Oh, yeah. Chuck. Like that yeah. guy eats wings. Like I, I was surprised. Like he is a bone, like gnarring. I mean, like he yeah. was like literally picking every little like piece of like cartilage and like gristle up. And I was like, respect. Well, you owe it like, to the, you owe it to the chicken, man. I mean, that's yeah. all good stuff right there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Nick Asian zing. I mean, come on. No, let's no. Now, if we're just talking hot, I would probably I would bow out and give it to Josh. I wouldn't. Yeah, say I like hot food. I like him. I like extraordinary. We're just hot like food, normal level hot wings, and it's a volume speed thing. Then I would I would want to play that game. I don't think I eat really anything that I don't put hot stuff on. I'm a heat. I'm a heat guy. I like it. I like everything yeah. hot. Nice, dude. We're creeping up on two hours, so let's. Uh, Let's get our last questions. And if there's any questions you guys had that you absolutely needed to bring ask, it. bring some good ones real quick. Good, we'll go a few more minutes. Good here. Um, this has been fun. We've been cranking out good stuff. Uh, do you have any, like a good luck meal or something you'd like to like power up or like. Yeah. Brie makes Brie, you know, she's the, she's the cook and she's especially during tournament season this time of year, I try to definitely pull my share. Um, yeah, she does a she does a few. We kind of got a little ritual, like we do burgers a lot of times in the camper on the night after the first day. Mm-hmm. It's usually a pretty late night, and you're trying to get back in bed the day burgers before. Like three four minutes huh? on the side. Yeah, <laughs> and they're quick off on the skillet. Yeah. Done deal. Um, 
No, she makes some really good stuff. She makes some good Asian food, some like Korean, uh, Korean beef type stuff, rice, rice power. We used to hang out with a buddy, um, Japanese friend of mine, and he uh, would always say that rice power. So that kind of always got in my head that that was a good thing. Uh, she makes these one things that are really good. We call them Greek tacos, and it's just like uh, ground turkey, and then she puts like different seasonings in there, and she makes that tazazaki sauce and mm. cucumbers and all that, and like a pita, and uh, we uh, will smash those um, the night before for sure. But I'm not really overly superstitious. I was when I was younger, and it took a lot, a lot of my effort to get rid of superstitions uh, in my life. But yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Got any good tournament superstitions? Yeah, I mean, like in lacrosse, I was eating like bananas every morning on the way to the tournament. Yeah, I'll eat bananas in the boat. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a really personal question, Logan. Shaft length is a really personal question. Wow, we're getting there. Actually, it's a good one. Now, I use when when I ran an Ultrax, I used the uh, what sizes are they, Rich? 42? 42. 40. Well, what's the shortest one? I think it's 42 and then 52, right? Yeah, so I used a 42 if I was fishing shallow water fisheries, and then when I get to Mille Lacs, I'd switch to 52. Last year, I went to the Ghost. Uh, the Ghost is like 45 or 47, and right, that was kind of like perfect. I had a 50. Yeah, I have one of those sitting in my garage, um, but I never ended up putting it on last year because that 45 or 47 in shaft, whatever it is, kind of was pretty dang ideal. Um, it, it worked for both. You know, even a place like St. Lawrence, when I might be out on Lake Ontario and you want that longer shaft, then you get into the river. You don't maybe quite need it if you're up shallow uh, fishing for them. So, um, you know, the, the biggest key is you don't want your trolling motor. You know, you don't want it to hinder you casting by having to keep it up too high. And at the same time, you definitely don't want that thing coming out of the water and the waves. Them smallmouth hear that. They're attracted to the sound. Uh, but not to bite, you know, when they, when they hear that kind of stuff. So you don't want that trolling motor when it comes out of the water, that'll, that'll kind of blow it for you right away. So, yeah, uh, I kind of got lucky now. I kind of settled on that one size. And on, my, on my bass cat, that 52 is a pain sometimes shallow. Like yeah, I, I can see that. spinnerbait yeah. rod down in the watchtower. Oh, yeah. because I think 48 no is the sweet spot. I wish Minkota made a 48. Like I honestly would consider maybe having somebody customize my 52 into a 48. You can do that. Yeah. You can do that. I've had people cut shafts down at the service crews and stuff like that to customize it a little bit. So that's something that can be done. <laughs> that's an interesting question. Is there anybody on the current lead series that you'd like to like get payback or make a point or like you have like, just like to like, I don't know. Do you see I don't know. Not really, man. No, I, I just ain't wired that way. Really. I'm kind of everybody's biggest fan, you know, just like yeah. I want them to be there in my corner on my tournaments. I don't really have that. Matter yeah. of fact, I probably have more friends on the elites than than anywhere out there. Uh, I feel very, very welcomed on, on the elites from both bass and, and everybody there, but even everyone at MLF, man, I don't really get too involved in the politics of the sport. It's all bass fishing. It's all good to me. It's a job for, for a lot of these guys, myself included, uh, and it's opportunity. You know, FLW, MLF gave me just an absolute pile of opportunity to get to where I am today. And uh, it's just, it's the kid dream in me that you can't take away, you know, that was always there uh, to fish to fish on the Bass Elite. So, no, I don't, you know, just myself, man. I, I just prove it to myself. I just, I don't know. I've had terrible tournaments. We know that. I've had great tournaments. And, and uh, you know, I just hope that I have my best. Uh, 
you know, in the next, next few years for sure. Cool. I think it's easier at the local level to kind of have that like rival adversary, like, like, like yeah. back in the day, you like wanted to beat Dean or you wanted to be, you know, or raveling or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, but when you get to that level, I think it's, you got to make it about the fish. So. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I want to beat them all. I mean, that's just but, the competition, the competition of the game, but, but no, like no vendettas, no, nothing like that. I, there's a couple guys I've, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy, I'm not afraid to get in an argument on the water with somebody, you know, cause I don't feel like I'm the type of guy that is arguing if I'm wrong. You know, I, I tend to avoid confrontation. So if I'm getting in one, I feel like I'm pretty right. But then I'll also be the the first guy at the boat ramp to walk up to you and, and squash it and make sure we're good. And then what happens is I end up becoming very, very close with those people that I, you know, was just into it on, on the water with. But, we're, you know, the nice thing about it is we're, we're all in the same boat. We all just love the bass fish. So we have something major, major in common with each other. But it's just me, man. I want to prove to myself, you know, all these dreams that I've had since as a kid. I have the opportunity ahead of me to, to make them happen. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what I want to do. All right, Josh, take this solo question. I'll be back in two minutes. Yeah. How do you determine where you want to start breaking down a large body of water? And what is your overall strategy for breaking down large bodies of water? That's a really good question uh, because it, it's intimidating, big bodies of water. Um, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is I will do a little research. You know, if, if it's a lake that is notorious for certain areas of the lake pumping out, fish and repeatedly like not you have different lakes that you know it seems to be like every year it's a they're in a different spot catching them in a different way but my biggest thing is is i'm going to figure out what my starting point is where i feel doing some map research watching some youtube videos looking at past tournament history i'm going to figure out a place where i want to start day one of practice uh then i'm going to start fishing there if i start getting bites I'm not going to go too far away. Essentially what I'm not going to do is spread myself out so bad to where, and this was, this is where I, you know, 10 years of fishing the opens. I was very green when I first started. I was just starting to make a name for myself in my own state, Minnesota, and then just jumped into the opens. That's the way I was. I just wanted to get to the top of the sport. And, and I just knew I had to get in there. I had the opportunity to, with a sponsor to do it. But then I got my butt kicked because what I would do is take a big body of water and split it up into five areas and try to break down five days of practice and that. Well, then I had a little bit of waypoints here, a little bit of waypoints here, a little bit of waypoints here. That is a terrible way to go about fishing because you're so spread out that you can't possibly, you know, you're just running to a different spot. So once what I do is I start, I pick a spot of the lake that I think from either my own history or from history of the lake. It's got a lot of potential to pump them out. And then from there, I'm going to expand on that uh, and try to connect dots. I always say I'm going to try to connect some dots here. And once I get a set of them, I'm going to start making them back to the ramp or somewhere that's in that flight path. Now, the exception to that would be a lake like Malax, a lake like St. Clair, a lake like Lake Ontario, where wind can absolutely destroy you. So you need to move water fast because if you are spending all your time on the south side of lake Malax and then you get a 20 mile an hour north wind you are screwed for that tournament you need to have stuff out there and the, the biggest thing is i'm not overly disappointed i i don't need again another thing in first in the opens i would get a couple bites flipping a jig on some laydowns 
and I would flip every lay down in that area and count bites. And that's foolish. You know, and those are just mistakes that I was making in those first few years where now I get a couple bites and now I'm pulling away from them as, Oh, maybe there's some hydrilla out here, you know, uh, stuff like that. So I, I think that's, that's just a big key is, you know, knowing the body of water and what can happen where you need to get wind driven, you know, what can screw up your day, Florida, Okeechobee, you can be smashing them in there one day and the wind changes directions and muddies it all up and you don't get a bite in there the second day. So you just got to kind of move water. So if I start getting some bites, I usually leave, you know, and, and can count on that. Okay. If I'm back here in the tournament, I'm going to, I'm going to dig my heels in and, and figure out a way just to catch them. It ain't like they went two miles away. They're still there. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I, one thing that I've really gotten cognizant about is from the moment I get to that, even before I leave for a lake, I'm watching that 10 day forecast and I'm thinking about what's the wind, get, especially in a multi, whether it's a one day tournament or a multi tournament, it's, and it's, it doesn't usually change 180 degrees, right? Like if they're calling for a North wind in four days, it's probably going to be a North wind, right? Like yeah. and you can, you want to make sure you practice for the tournament days. Um, that's one thing that I do for sure. And I echo like getting a couple clues and moving on. Like that's like, you got to cover more water. Huge. You can't Huge. get bogged down in areas. Once you identify this is an area I want to fish, maybe drive around, graph, look at it, but stop fishing and then find more areas. Cause in a multi-day tournament, you just need a ton of stuff. So. And, and patterns, try to get three patterns. That's another big yeah. deal. Like if back in the day, like I was saying, I'd flip them lay downs. Well, then I wanted to go and flip all those lay downs. But what happens then is you start getting this preconceived notion that you're going to get bites in those particular lay downs. And when that doesn't start working for you, then everything starts to fall apart and you either force it the rest of the day or you just don't fish confident the rest of the day. So then, you know, I'm going to turn out their hydrilla out here, their milfoil out here. I, I always want to have three patterns. And if you look at Lake Norman, that absolutely saved my hind end because I had cane piles. I wanted to catch them on a buzz bait. That's what I wanted to do there. I wanted to take spotted bass out of the equation and just throw a buzz bait all day. It's fall, a dropping reservoir. And I know a couple guys got onto it, but it just wasn't quite right. But I did have some bites doing it. That essentially got me in the Elite Series because day two, I caught like a three-pounder right away in the morning on a buzz bait. That just settled me down on day two. But I had those cane piles. And by the end of it, I was reverting to brush on docks um, to catch fish. So I had three little different patterns and ended up tapping into all of them to top 10 and, and punch my ticket. So that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Thinking back. Our NABC season, all we were doing was running each other's spots. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. No, that was just, well, we didn't practice. We just, you were, you know, you were just having kids and kids in school and we were both working full-time jobs. I mean, that's just the, that's just the nuts and bolts of, uh, of regular weekend warrior fishing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's all about finding fish. You can figure out what they're going to bite that day. Yeah. Because like what they bite one day in practice may not be what they're biting in the tournament. It's more about finding the locations. In the yeah. Area. Oh, for sure. You may even adjust no, in that area, fun, so. but like, yeah. No, that's a, I mean, that's a hundred percent and learning how to move around on familiar water to be efficient. Yeah. That's a good point too. Second more like having a handful of baits that you feel good about is really important. 
if you're second guessing yourself all day on what you're throwing, that gets you into trouble. You got to be flexible me? too. Yeah. Okay, I might your buds died. Yeah, but like it's a balance, right? You you got to have some go tos because I, I fish with co anglers sometimes where they like change. 900 baits during the day and i'm like maybe if you wouldn't have spent 70 percent of your day retiring you might have caught a couple <laughs> like you gotta have some stuff you believe in but you also have to be flexible but or or just i believe i what what sycamore saying i'm 100 percent with but you need to always be adding new baits into your confident you still bait. gotta test it yeah push it yeah yeah I don't know about that, Sean. Maybe it's maybe it's because you're watching Travis, not me. I don't know why I'm taking the blame, Sean. <clears throat> but uh, all right, we're just over two hours. I feel like we've kind of caught up to the chat. It's been awesome. Uh, if you guys came in late, catch the replay. If whether you're watching on YouTube, or Facebook, and you can search Hella Bass on a podcast, if you want to listen to it while you're walking your dog or driving to your next derby. Um, but uh, looking forward to watching you this year, Josh, on the. It's the big time, and we're ready to see it happen. Yeah, me too, man. I'm pretty pumped up. It's a dream come true. Same time, we got a lot of work to do, and I got so many more dreams and so many more goals ahead of me that I haven't accomplished. But now we got, we're, you know, we're somewhere where we can do it. So uh, definitely doing it. Appreciate all the support. I've gotten way more than I would have ever, uh, ever imagined. But it's going to be a fun year, that's for sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Lots of uh, good lucks and thanks uh and uh that's been cool so and uh yeah everybody that's tuned in we still got i don't know 80 90 people on here merry christmas happy holidays there should be a stream next wednesday night. i don't have a guest planned out but i'm definitely gonna do some unboxings and some things so if you guys are you know not busy next week we'll, we'll be still talking bass, bass fishing and hanging out next week so awesome job rich you're killing it with this stuff man keep it up All right. Well, uh, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass, suck less. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>